Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Afternoon, all. We've hit the fourth of November. I just realised saying that it's the day before Guy Fawkes. Yeah, they do. Bang, bang, bang at midnight. Not a fan. I was when I was a kid, though. So let the kids have their fun, I guess. Just being an old man. Uh, we have got some fun today, and I really do need your interaction because there'll be stuff I don't know. Well, there's a lot of stuff I don't know, actually, to be perfectly honest. But we are going to talk about. How do I word this? The sports and athletes that don't get anywhere near enough love. We've got some amazing athletes. We've got some amazing sports. And there's some sports out there, and I just mentioned to Ricardo, apparently we're really good at underwater hockey. Apparently we're really, really good, and I know nothing about it. So if you've got a sport you participate in, or your kids, or your brother, or your sister, um, locally, club sports, internationally, anything, some great sports that we never hear about it, ring us up. If there's another sport, like, and I'm thinking like, like softball, your, your average sports punter knows about the black socks and the white socks, and um, and a little bit of club as well. We're really, really, really good at softball. And there's the world champs coming up. We had Mark Sorensen on last week, which was awesome. But they're a bit like, softball's treated a bit like um, the Olympics. When there's world champs, we hear all about it. Win, lose, or draw it tends to fall away, um, and that's probably not fair. So this is the opportunity to give your, um, with no offence in this term, your secondary sport, uh, or away from the big dogs, right? So away from rugby, rugby league, cricket, netball, and that's probably it. They're sort of the big, big kahunas, aren't they? Um, and there's so many good stories out there. I, I took it upon myself last summer to work a lot with our track and field athletes, 
and they are some of the coolest people. They are some of the coolest people and are happy to share their stories, and I find them all fascinating. Hamish Kerr was on earlier this week talking about when he started in athletics, and um, he tried sprinting, he tried 800. I know he gave hurdles to Dart, and he landed in, in uh, high jump, but the reason he went down was for uh, the sausage sizzle and the bag of lollies, if you did quite well. So really keen to hear about um, the minor sports. And again, I'm not, I'm not decrying them, but... I think we sort of understand what we mean. Away from the big dogs. Let's have an hour celebrating the other sports in our country. Some of the best squash players are in New Zealand at the moment. They're playing that Nations Cup in Tauranga and a lot of them are staying on and some more are coming for the New Zealand Open, which I think is next week as well. And we'll get one of them on next week as well. Squash, again, an amazing history, but doesn't get much cut through. So this hour, let's give all of those sports some cut through. 0800-150-11 is the number. Also coming up on the show today, uh, Deb Fuller, coach of the New Zealand Fast Five team, which I think gets under, give me a thumbs up, Kieran, I think it starts tonight, Saturday. Yes, starts Saturday, so it's a two-day thing, I think, Saturday, Sunday, uh, eight teams here, Um it's so exciting. If you've never seen it, just just have a little bow peep at it at some stage during the weekend. It's fun. Uh, so Deb Fuller, who's coaching them. The Jeremy Paul Show as well. We'll, we'll talk about uh, what's going on up in the Northern Hemisphere, actually. And um, the Wallabies got away with one last week. And I'll get his take on the Anzac um, idea that we floated earlier in the week as well, if he thinks that that would be a good thing for a combined All Blacks Wallabies team to take on the British Irish Alliance when they tour Australia. Also talked to Julian King across the ditch towards the end of the show and Darren Williams, he's joined us regularly over the last five or six weeks and this is the last chance we get to talk to him um, ahead of the New Zealand Cup next Tuesday. Uh, he gave us rock and roll do weeks ago when it, it was, I think it was at 21s or 17, somewhere around there. The Aussie hadn't been sighted in New Zealand. It then went on to win its next two races in Australia. It's now over in New Zealand. It won the cup trial yesterday or the day before, um, and it's now second favourite. So um, he's a he's got his ear to the ground. He'll have one or two for us, I reckon. So listen out for that um, between 3 and 3.30. And also we have the grand final of the GWE Topper TV character Jamboree. We're going to hold up. We didn't announce the winner of the second conference final yesterday uh, because there were just so many votes. But Captain K uh, put in the hard yards last night to make sure, and he even recounted it again because it was so very, very close. He will have that winner. What time should we announce those, uh, do you think? Should we do that straight after the... We'll do that after the 12.30 news. We'll just do the announcement of who won both semis, what the final looks like, and then we'll open up the voting, and that'll go through till 3 o'clock. What are your sports, your athletes even, that don't get anywhere near enough love? Give us a call, 0800 150 It's Midday Madness. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Righto, in come the calls. Looking forward to hearing your stories. Let's give some of these sports out and around there some love. We've got a Graham Wadarapa. G'day, Graham. 
much from a lovely, very hot Masterton. Beautiful. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. That's the story. And mate, it's just like um, there's a world championship. Oh, mate, it's finished by now. Um, going on in their beloved medal or two. Blow carts. Blow carts. It was getting out at the um, airport. I think it was at Airport or something like that. Wow. Um, that was the, uh, the world championships, and the, one of the Kiwis was the current world champion. Ah, I used to work with a lady many years ago, and her husband was a blow carter. They're those little yachts on wheels, aren't they? That's the one. It was on TV News um, last week, over a week ago there. <coughs> now, but... Um, yeah, it's, um, it was a little championships. <laughs> well, they actually, um, from memory, there was a there was a rugby ground out in Sanson, close to the State Highway One and Foxton Straight turnoff, and I think they turned that into a blow cart um, course. I think I'm not a hundred percent sure. That's well, I'm, I'm saying in the Harkia, perhaps um, it's a concrete laid, but it looked pretty big, like um, like the Harkia runway, something like that. But um, yeah, it was a big area. But yeah, it was all go. That's People awesome. All coming for it. That's, and we've got a world champion. There you go, I bet you hardly anyone knew that that's listening now, and that's what this is all about. Graham, you're right on the pulse. You're right on the pulse. Yeah. Exactly right. Great subject. Good on as you, buddy. Always. Cheers, mate. <laughs> yeah, mate. Cheers. There we go. Blow carts. Did you know what a blow cart was, um, Robinho? That's the one. I had no idea. Yes. Yeah, so Absolutely no idea. It's like a little, it's like a tiny little yacht. With two back wheels, so the, the wheelbase is like a triangle. They've got a little front wheel, two back wheels, a sail, and then you sit in this little cart-type buggy thing, and you can steer the front wheel, and away you go on land. And they rip up and down the beach sometimes as well. They're fantastic fun. Sounds great. <laughs> Get them on the show. Get them on the show. Now you're learning. Now you're learning, Robinho. Let's go to Bazza and Nelson. G'day, Bazza. G'day. How you going? Good, Bazza. Uh, wood chopping and shearing, mate. Yes, just real backbone sports of this country, eh? Yeah, shit, yeah, man. I mean, you know, just out of the horror for nerves, some good wood, wood choppers out of there years ago, but um, there's a guy that's competing. Is it in Belgium at the moment or somewhere? It's just um, finished. The world, before. the world champs, Jason Winyard? Yeah, he's from the White Rap or somewhere, was he, or something? I can't remember now. Well, Jason lives up here. I think, I can't remember where he was from originally, but we actually had him in studio for an hour uh, just before he went to the World Champs, actually. A fascinating listen. He was a fascinating bloke. Oh, okay. You know, I've been a bit crook, mate, so I didn't I didn't hear it. But, um, yeah. Anyway, how did he go? Um, he got either fourth or fifth. He was riding with a chance for winning it, and he the final discipline was the hot saw, which is those turbocharged little mini chainsaws, and he's normally really good at it, and it just slipped away from him. And uh, fourth or fifth, I think he was, but he's won multiple world titles, multiple. Yeah, because um, he's getting a bit lapooed. I mean, he's getting a bit old now, isn't he? Yeah, well, during COVID, um, he had a hip replacement. And he said, right, I'm going to give it a go with a new hip. And um, he's 40, 48-ish, something, 47, 48. And away he went. Top five in the world, still amazing. And he's not going to give up. He's going to keep going, which is amazing. Yeah. And you'd, yeah. Re- you'd remember Sonny Bolstead and David Bolstead and Rugby oh, Edwards and all oh, those yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah, mate. Yeah, they were, they were bloody good, mate. They were um, world champions, weren't they? Yep, they were. And then you mentioned shearing as well. Of course, David Fagan. um yeah. Kirkpatrick, yeah, we've got yeah, some mate. fantastic shearers. 
Yeah, even old um, Godfrey Bowen, I think he was part oh. of Brethren Church in the Levin area, but he was a world championship to do one. Yeah, he was. And it's always interested me when we go to world championships and the different combs they use because the different fleece on the walls in the, in the country that you go to the world championships in. And so you'd expect us to always go and win, but we don't always win because the wool and the combs are different. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's right. I reckon Aussies win, win the win the Sierra Merinos or whatever it is. Is that right? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure of the breeds and the cones, but I know that that's. Uh, I think there is a definite home ground advantage wherever the world's a uh, house. Yeah. And of course, the Golden Shears yeah, and right. Masterton is fantastic as well. Yeah, is is that still going? Yeah, hell yeah. If, where are you calling Nelson? I was going to say go for a drive, but you, you've got water to contend with. Yeah. I I've, <laughs> I went to yeah. one once, and it is amongst the best sporting atmosphere I've ever been in the, at Golden Shears in Masterton is unreal. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been away in Papua New Guinea for 40 years, of course, so I know oh. I'm catching up on all this. Jeepers, mate. Jeepers. What, what's the sport? Did you, were, you, uh, were you in Port Moresby or were you in Ley? Where were you? Uh, it's Mors, Moresby and Ley, Medang all over, but I, um, I was in the PNG rugby union for a while, but... The PNG rugby union team's called the Pook Books, which is Crocodile. <laughs> um, we used to be great in the Sevens. Oh, Hong Kong Sevens, the PNG Pook Books are bloody brilliant, mate. <laughs> um, and, of course, with the World Cup at the moment, the old Kumuls. The Kumul is the bird of paradise. Kumul means bird. Yeah. Um, and that's the Kumuls are going all right. And they've got the women, women rugby league team there in, at the moment. They're called the Orchids. Um, they're going right as well. Yeah, that, they've they've got the genetics to be fantastic rugby or rugby league players, haven't they? The the Papua New Guineans. Yeah, the the rugby union unfortunately is um, it's not well. Uh, league is the probably the official game of Papua New Guinea, I guess. Mm. Sort of um, play in all the provinces, but um, they've got some great rugby union players. They really have. Mm. I'm amazed um, you were there for forty years. Forty years in PNG. Yeah, mate, I left Levin in 1977 and came back about three years ago. Wow, because I had a mate that lived in Lay for five years. and um, What was his name? His name was Grant Brokenshire, and he worked for an insurance company. Uh, and they, he, did... oh, worked, he worked for, um, yeah, he worked for QI, uh, NZ Insurance or QI. I know the guy you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and he spent all of his time in the gated golf club. In the way, the Lay Golf Club. Gated, yeah, there was a golf club there, and I think it might have had tennis courts or something, but it was all gated oh, yeah. for safety. Beautiful, beautiful golf. No, mate, the, the Lay Golf Club is bloody beautiful. Yeah, well, there you go. That's why he stayed. He didn't play golf when he yeah. went over, and he came back on a teen handicap. <laughs> oh, no, no. Beautiful golf club, mate. Absolutely. Manic- oh, no, it's bloody beautiful. Mm. Best golf club in Barton, Guinea. There you anyway, go. I better go. There's other people who want to talk to you. Good, Good on right. you, Baz. Good chatting. Bezza from, uh, what's this from Nelson? He said Horofanur and he's gone back. But anyway, um, Papua New Guinea for 40 years. I bet you when he was at school he didn't envisage he'd live m- nearly all of his adult life in Papua New Guinea. Great chat. I know it's not about the unsung sports, but great to hear from him. And uh, I've long known that um, rugby league in PNG is uh, is their number one sport, but they're pretty handy too. They wouldn't have a lot of resources, coaching resources, um, just straight up money resources to build programs and stuff but um, yeah fantastic so what sports don't get that I've had a lot of text messages I'd prefer phone calls you know the rules between 12 and 1 it is midday madness uh, think about the sport that you want to give some love and like Graham said the blow carts who knew there was world championship blow I 
I had no idea that the first sport that would get rung up about was blow carts. And then, of course, we had wood chopping and shearing, which we have a very strong history in. So give us a yell. Share your lesser lights, but turn on the floodlights on your sports or your athletes that don't get enough love. 0800 150 811. Love to hear from you. Ah, your unloved sports. Sports that don't get enough love. So this is what this hour is about, giving the other sports some love. Someone, uh, Carl just texted in saying, Staffy, the question relates to your topic. Do you know how the New Zealand team went in the wood chopping world champs? I'm going to get those results up for you. I know we got some medals. I got the press release Sunday night, Monday morning. So I'll dig that out and I'll tell you how we went on. Um, but that is definitely one. As um, Bazza just rang up about, he mentioned sharing and wood chopping. Just as by the by, do you know? Do you know the sport that has been most played by just about every New Zealander has played it at least once? So I'll let you pause on that. There's a sport. It's got two or three varieties, but everyone's done it. Just about everyone's done it. And the, everyone in the booth is trying to think of it. I'll tell you what it is. It is Q sports. Everyone's had a game of pool or a game of snooker or a game of billiards at least once in their life on a pool table. Q sports is the most common one. There you go. And uh, it was it was big at... at it's had peaks and troughs. When I was a kid, Pop Black, we'd mentioned, it was whispering Ted Lowe's birthday the other day, and um, New Zealand got really invested in it when Dino Kane um, was on the world scene, uh, doing very well at the World Champs, at the Crucible, etc. Back in the days of Eddie Charlton and Ray Reardon, um, who was the Canadian, uh, Cliff Thorburn, all those guys, and then it passed on to Steve Davis, and then we had Stephen Hendry, and we had John Parrott, and... Hurricane Higgins, there's been some wonderful, wonderful snooker players. Doesn't get as much coverage anymore, but it's still great viewing if you ever get to watch the World Champs at the Crucible. That's a sport that doesn't get a lot of love. I'm, I'm going to ask the uh, the generation behind me in the booth, actually. Um, I'm going to ask Captain K and Rubinho. Captain K, what, what sports do you think, you know, fall into this heading of don't, don't get enough love or don't get much love that's I... out there? actually started a movement when I was in year seven, staff, so mm-hmm. form one. Uh, I was at Rosmany College and it was around the time that the London Olympics was on and right. I fell in love with a game called handball. Right. So you've probably seen handball before, but it's it's not the four square one. That's another stunner of a game. You see, when I was at school, that was called pit-a-pat. Oh, pit-a-pat. <coughs> pit-a-pat. Yeah. No, we call that handball. But oh, okay. yeah, so the <laughs> Olympic sport handball... It's basically like basketball, football, American football, everything combined, right? So there's, a, there's like a, uh, a football goal, soccer goal, and you pretty much run and dribble this. Well, it's just a bit bigger than a cricket ball, isn't it, the ball, and you just lash it into the net. And why I thought that was the greatest thing ever, so I made a, a PE class start playing it, <laughs> and then I tried to get a team together to play it. But the problem was no other schools were that interested. So Look at you, you're 13-year-old pioneer. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm an, I'm an innovator, is what they call me. <laughs> no, innovator doesn't copy sports. An innovator makes up a sport, Kez. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm a... Enabler. Enabler. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's what You I'm know doing. me. Yeah. Any sport you want to take to action, just uh, hit me up. Give us a call on the show <laughs> with your strangest uh, sport, and I'll get you a team. Sorted. <laughs> that's me. Handball's a good sport. Handball's a good I think another one which, in the PC world, I think even some schools ban it, is bull rush. That, was, that formed a massive part of my 
growing up and I remember at Terracene School in Palmerston North, my primary school, we had a kid at school called Dean Shaw and I'd love to know if he became a sprinter because he he ran straight up the field and there could be 30 kids wanting to catch him and then he'd just do the big arc like a winger does then goes around the outside. No one could get, he could go for a whole hour and no one could touch him. He was so far. Bull rush was amazing and force back. Force back at boys high as well. It was amazing with my Adidas, Adidas no no lace, float like a butterfly rugby ball. Force back's a great game. Um, probably not the sport that needs more love, but that was a great sport as I was a kid. Uh, Rubinio, you always come from things from left field. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I was, we got a text in um, highlighting speedball, which uh, I've been having a look at, and it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's like... Um, Is that the one where you brand each other with the ball and hit them below the waist and they're eliminated or something <laughs> like that? Uh, exactly. No, it's, um, you know... The game you, game you play like as a kid, and it's like a it's a stick, and the tennis ball goes round, and you smack it. Swing and, ball. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, everyone had those at the camping ground. Yeah. Like, again, these are all things when I was a kid. Has it made a comeback? Well, yeah. Apparently, apparently, there's like a competitive speedball league, a, league, yeah, or something. And yeah, I've just been watching some of these rallies. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a, it's a sport that's never really taken off in New Zealand is uh, lacrosse as well, which is massive in college in, in America. In fact, Emma Olsen, that used to work here at SENZ, now breakfast reporter for TV, she plays lacrosse in a competition in Auckland here. Good sport. Uh, we'll talk to Zaid. G'day, Zaid. Um, hi. When I was at school, we used to play this game called My Island. So you would stand on an island and um, you had to throw the ball and they have to catch the ball to get you on the island. Oh. And then... The winning team um, gets the most players back on the island. That was like a, a pretty popular game we used to play at school at PE. And then we also had this game called, um, I think actually a kid might have made it up. It was called Sakoni Touch. <laughs> so it's like touch, but to score, you have to kick the ball. So, yeah. Wow, that sounds radical. Touch. And I guess also a sport that doesn't get much um, knowledge is probably touch or turbo touch. That was always a big game at school played. Um, volleyball, that's always that we used to play that quite a bit as well. Mm. Yeah, I remember we had we, the New Zealand club champs were on for volleyball in Tauranga, and we got the CEO of volleyball on, and the participation numbers blew me away. The amount of people that play volleyball in New Zealand. Yeah, um, is it uh, tag as well? That was quite popular at school. Yeah, we used to play the tag where you you rip the tags off. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. But and like, is that um that. I think it was a question one day on your on one of the quizzes that that uh, Maori game we played as well was a koharangi whatever it is. Kaiarahi. Yeah, yeah. I think we played that a few times as well. Awesome. Yeah. So. Good so stuff, say. Good stuff. Yeah, a few different sports. Nice. Always contributing. Good, thank you. Cheers, buddy. Have a good weekend. You too, mate. Zayt out of Auckland. Someone's just texted in, does New Zealand have a curling team? They love curling. I think we do. Um, and I think I'm right in saying Naseby is the curling capital of New Zealand. Anyone listening from Naseby? Talk to me about talk to me about curling someone. There's a challenge. I'm throwing out a curling challenge. 0800-150-811. Does anyone know about the curling department in New Zealand? Please tell me. Please call me. I would love a curling chat. We'll take a break for new sport and weather, but give us a yell with your unloved sport or just educate us. Educate us on the sports that are going on in your neck of the woods that we don't talk about much. This hour is for you. Here's the new sport and weather. Listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat 
of Madness. Righto, welcome back in 0800-150-811, your sports chat, any sport you want that doesn't get talked about much, this is what this hour is about. We're full of rugby, rugby league, cricket, netball, the whole lot. Let's talk about some other sports for this hour. Dave from Palmy. G'day, Dave. G'day, Steffi. How you doing? Good, Dave. I just before I tell you about the sports, Steffi, I reckon I would have got you on the, on the chase the other day. Oh. I had a tactical idea. Uh, just before it was going to be your turn, I was going to tell you that I've actually met Ricky Gervais in London. Are you joking? No, I'm not behind Fortune and Mason, which is in the West End, which is a very posh shop, sells, you know, pickles and jams and all those sort of things. But it was funny because you said eight or nine years ago, and that's about, I reckon, about the time I met him, he was just having, and he was having a cup of tea. Don't know if he was waiting for you, Steph. He must have been. He must have read my email. <laughs> it was a Sunday, Sunday morning, and uh, he was just there, and I just went up and said, G'day, my, my name's Dave, shook his hand. Um, didn't have much of a chat. He was, you know, reading some sort of script or something, and, uh, yeah, so I've met the man. Oh, you lucky yeah, bugger. You, you lucky bugger. So if I did... If I'd said that just before it was your turn for the chase, I reckon it would have just put you off something shocking. (laughs) (laughs) You would have just thrown me. Yeah, that would have been a great tactic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bull Rush. Bull Rush at Boys High. We used to have epic games of Bull Rush, and it used to go from, you know, the playtime break to lunchtime, and it could go through to the next day. You'd just reassemble (laughs) the format that you were prior. It wouldn't start fresh, and it was... Oh, it's great for rugby practice. Is it barred from schools now? I think it is. It? I think it is. Yeah. It was great for tackling practice. Brilliant. Uh, and evasive, and then, an evasion yeah. practice? Yeah. Remember the Steinlager ad? It was about, oh, must have been three or four or five years ago. And it had Tana, Umanga, and uh, O'Driscoll and whatnot. And they were playing Bull Rush. Mm. It was an ad for Steinlager. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, but Bull Rush, brilliant game. And yeah, it, used, it could last two days, you know, to be the, but everybody wanted to play. Yeah. Was, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I miss Bull Rush. Yeah, I don't I, know if I'd be any good at it now, Steffi. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd be the same, mate. I would be the same. Awesome, Dave. Good to hear you using okay. the indicator hey, today, too. You too, brother. Okay, cheers, mate. See you, mate. Uh, Dave from there, uh, from Palmy. Uh, Gary, Upper Hutt. G'day, Gary. G'day, Steph. That bull rush, eh? I was never any good at that bull rush. Never got to win that game. <laughs> I didn't win. I didn't win either, but I always no. played. I loved it. And I was never first picked, so I was always happy about that as well because you never wanted to be that first pick one. Too much pressure. <laughs> it's like being number one seed. Yeah. Too much pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, on the subject of the, the sports, one that sprung to mind straight away when you said it was motocross. Yeah. And they did really good at motocross. So I say by we, I mean Courtney Duncan. <laughs> I mean, she is just an absolute champion, that woman. You know, I don't know how many world titles she's won. Mm. But you just never hear about it in the news over here. Well, I mean, you do hear about it, but not often. Yeah, we hear when she wins the world title. We, we don't hear the, the events that she wins week to week to week. We had a couple of... 
I'm going to I'm going back in my I think we had a couple of brothers that were good at Supercross. Um yes. on the world on the world a stage. A few years back, eh? Yeah, and when you think about it, we can probably extend it out a little bit to Levi Sherwood, who's been an X Games gold medalist and on on the bike as well. We've had some rippers in oh, yeah, there. True. Yeah, I didn't think about him. Mm. Yeah, it was like I say, it was Courtney Duncan's front to mind when, when you come up with that. Because I mean, my God, she's the perfect ambassador for a sport as well. She's I don't know if you ever interviewed her, but she she looks like she's a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, she's great, and she's so young and just living an adult life as a youngster. I, I tip my hat to youngsters that can go and take that risk and go and do what she does. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Hey, looking forward to the weekend. Go to the Blackburns tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to that, mate. Yeah, me too, so much. I'm worried. France worries me. You know, uh, strangely, I'm not, and I know I should be. <laughs> okay, you stay how I'm, you I'm are. I'm feeling quite confident. Yeah. <laughs> Good man. Good talking, Gary. All right, have a good weekend. Cheers, buddy. Let's find out about the GWE TV character, Jamboree, the whole shebang. Let's go. Live from the SENZ studios in Auckland, this is the GWE top of TV character, Jamboree. Righto, we have the semi-finalist, Darren, I don't know if Darren, or Darren, if Darren, if you can still hear us, he's calling in from Aussie, we do have to get the GWE out of the way, oh, we've answered him, we'll just put him on hold, so Darren, we will get to you very shortly, but very important, this has been in the making for the best part of two weeks, we have the GWE Top of TV character Jamboree voting, and the announcement of the finalists, we've got the Eastern Conference champion and the Western Conference champion, Captain K, out in the field, been doing the hard yards at stadiums all around the world. Firstly, the first finalist that was decided during the show yesterday, Keza, was whom? Yeah, look, Saf, it's been a it's been a busy night for me. Obviously, I was I was lucky enough last night to head to both of the games. Uh, during the afternoon yesterday and I've just spent all night counting. I've used my fingers, I've used the calculator, I've uh, crunched a few more numbers and I've got the results for you, Steph. And I can tell you, uh, as you can hear in my voice, there have been uh, a lot of upsets, a lot of controversy, Mm. uh, a lot of VAR, a lot of bunker being Mm. used Mm. over the last day. Mm. I can give you an update, Steph. Let's kick it off with Tony Soprano, the number one seed. Mm. He faced the number three seed, Basil Fawlty. Yeah. Let's give you a quick rundown of the game. Tony Soprano took an early lead, uh, as, as everyone expected. Um, then there was a controversial call from the ref in the third quarter, and uh, as we know, Tony Soprano, he lost his head, Steph. Mm. Uh, he just went absolutely ballistic. And look, I'm scared to say it. Basil Fawlty, he took advantage of that, you see. Mm. Coming into the fourth quarter, I saw Coach uh, giving the team a big rile-up Got onto them. Basil Fawlty ended up winning the game 52% to 48%, Steffi. So Tony oh, Soprano, the, Tony number, one Soprano, the number one seed, has finally been exited of the competition. I tell, so, you what, uh, I tell you what, just between you and me, Johnny Mack will be happy about that. He couldn't believe how far Tony Soprano had gone. He said to me, he's an idiot. I just heard a little bit of stomping outside, so I was just assuming that was Johnny Mack jumping, uh, jumping up, and up and down, down with his, was shaking his fist in the air. Right, so the first finalist, Basil Fawlty, hit me with the other. Mr Bean taking on Billy T. Now, Steph, we uh, mentioned controversy. A lot of people said Billy T shouldn't have even been in contention. 
uh, due to him playing multiple characters. Uh, but we, you and I, uh, Sammy Hewitt wasn't so into it. We decided that it was fair because mm. Billy T did play Billy T in the Billy T show. It was the Billy T James show the and Billy he played T. himself. So he was he the character. He was the character. So mm. it's completely right. And he's made it all the way to the conference final. <sighs> Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of votes, Steffi. <laughs> this was the most this voted was, on. Like, I'm, I'm, when I said I stayed up last night crunching the numbers, I wasn't kidding. I yep. wasn't kidding. I had 14 photos of the text machine to go through, Steffi. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of votes, plus the Instagrams. I had to count 50.5% of the vote, Steph. Is the winner? Oh, my gosh. 50.5. Wrap your head around that. Yes. Magic. Do you remember whose clip that was yesterday? Nope. Mr. Bean is heading to the national championship game this afternoon. It Mr. is going to Bean be beat Mr. Billy Bean. T. He beat Billy T by what? 0.5 was the decider. It was tied up. I went and recounted this morning. Two votes, Steffi. Righto. So there you go. That is the final. That is the absolute grandstand final. Basil Fawlty versus Mr. Bean. That's that's all you got to vote for today, and we'll have our grandstand winner. Double eight, double three is the Temper Bear Post text machine. Get those votes through. I was going to take Darren's call now, but Darren, let's take an ad break, uh, and then you'll get a decent slash at us after the break. So, Mr. Bean or Basil Faulty, double eight, double three, who's going to win? Fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, straight to the phones over to Aussie. Thanks for holding on, Darren. Uh, always good to chat to you. How are you, Staffy? Good, Darren. Uh, they're both what I voted for, so I'm happy. Oh, good. Jeez, you're back in winners. You can't back them both this time. <laughs> No, no, I do have a favourite out of those two, but I don't want to, I don't want to sway anyone's uh, That's fair. opinions. That's so, fair. Not that I thought, well, I think I would, but anyway. Mm. Um, I, um, you're talking about weird sports. Well, we sort of created our own, me and a mate. Um, I've got a bar, an outdoor bar, and we'd sit at it, have a couple of beers, and I had a dog that was obsessed with a tennis ball. <laughs> well, this quickly turned into us having four rounds of five shots each, and we had to throw it from the bar down past the concrete that was sort of had grooves in it, sure. hit a one-metre patch of concrete that would then go over 10 metres of grass and hit the bird bath, but only the neck of the bird bath. Jeez. And this became very competitive. We'd keep score. We got a trophy. <laughs> um, and then and then went to, to up it again, we would have a pace round, which was the third round of, of four rounds, where you had to just throw it flat out. Um, to the point where I actually started loosening palings from the fence, <laughs> <laughs> and it just it just evolved. And we played it for about five years, and then um, unfortunately I moved house, so it sort of we had our final round ever. But um, it got really like we really wanted to win it. <laughs> it was um, yeah, it just evolved from something and, and you know nothing into something, and uh, yeah. And then it really, really does it. it really does become something. It means a lot those uh, homemade games. We had friends come over for a barbecue, and they go, "Oh, can we have a round? <laughs> can we have a go?" Because <laughs> I'm like, sure, yeah, right. I'm sure that's how games like beer pong started. That's how that would have started. Oh, like definitely. A couple of roosters like you in the backyard with the table tennis there and go, "Let's see if we can bounce it into a cup." And now it's a worldwide phenomenon. Yes, 
Yes, my daughter did have an 18th a few months ago, and her friends turned up with a travel beer pong pack, like oh a table God. that folded out. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I was so impressed. I thought, God, we're, at 18, they're really on the ball here. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, that, as soon as you brought this topic up, I thought, yeah, we did invent something. It was very niche, <laughs> I'd like to say. It still sounds cool <laughs> and, fun, though. Like I quite like the five shots to start with. I quite like that. Oh, and it was hard because if you if you hit the grass, it could have gone anywhere because it wasn't even, and the concrete before it had big riffles through it, so you could actually hit the concrete and hit the shed and go nowhere near it and embarrass yourself. So, yeah, it was just good fun, and yeah, and I couldn't tell you how many times we accidentally hit the dogs um, with the <laughs> tennis ball. So no no harm to the dogs, I can definitely guarantee that. But it was. You know, they just come out of nowhere. You're already throwing it. They walk around the corner, whack. You know, <laughs> nearly hit my wife. You know, so it's um, it's uh, it was good. And obviously, as the beers flowed, the um, the accuracy sort of waned a bit. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. <laughs> but, oh, I, um, like, I like the sound yeah. of that game. I like it. Patent it. All right, thanks, mate. Cheers. Keep up the good work. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, Darren. Uh, Darren out of Melbourne. Uh, it's great to hear. It's, it's funny, you know, you come and sit down, and when I open the show, I always know that certain people are listening. I always know Darren's listening. I know Zade's listening, the Grahams. All of you out there, I know Ken listens, and then I see the text messages coming. It's like it's like just coming to my own club, listening, uh, chatting to all you fellas and uh, fellesses. I know Kimberly always listens. She'll be, she'll be making a batch of something for the weekend. Uh, uh, um... Who just texted? Who? Kimberly, Kimberly just text. Kimberly just texted. Just like, oh, there it is. Um, and she says it's weird how the top two in the TV character Jamboree uh, are often annoyingly frustrating and blunder their way into hilarious and awkward situations with the skills of a one-armed paper hanger. They are both brilliant characters. Kimberly, look at that. I didn't know that. <laughs> Rubinio just told me Kimberly's actually just text as I was talking about. So yeah, it's cool. I love coming and chatting to you fellas and you chat back to me. That's cool. And uh, actually got a lot of texts. Here's the other thing about the voting. I don't normally give you a, an inkling about what's happening, and I'm sort of not, but I'm going to tell you what's happened. As soon as I announced it, the first four votes were for the same TV character. The next four votes were all for the next TV character. And they come in clumps. And then it went two for one, two for the other, three for one, two for the other. So this is going to be close. If early poll results are anything to go by, I know we've only got 6% of the count in now, but early voters are passionate voters. So I'm going to keep you, I won't keep you up to date with the score and the levels, but it's an important one. And remember I said I would try and get someone from the show or the character themselves or, or something like that on the show next week to celebrate them winning the first ever TV character jamboree. I put in probably two hours work yesterday and I tracked down the original screenwriter for The Sopranos and he's been beaten. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to have to start again. Can I have that for personal reasons? I'm going to have to start that again. Oh, well, never mind. Um, We'll take a quick break. We'll come back shortly. Very quickly, we go down south, talk to Bruce. G'day, Bruce. Yeah, hey. Hey, look, mate, I got hooked on lawn bowls five years ago. Mm. And it's the most um, amazing, simple um, game to to get into. Uh, it's quite technical if you want to get there, and I, I'm improving all the way and doing reasonably well. But um, 
and it's played at all levels down here in Christchurch. We have we have schools that are that get involved in it. We have university groups that come there at our club. We're at the Rickenham Race Course, which is a great venue, mate. Mm. Look over the back fence, and you've got another entertainment going on. So, uh, But at our club, we've got a guy called Don Stevens, partially blind. He won the national singles and pairs at Burnside last year, mm. this year. Wow. And he, when I started, he was my skip five years ago. Great guy. Born out of Blenheim, same as me. He's the most unassuming guy. And he's worked really hard, and there you go. Fought his way, and he's got two national titles in my club. He's, he's brilliant. Outstanding. Brilliant, Bruce. Love it. We've got to scoot to news, but thanks for jumping on telling us that yarn. I love those yarns. I love those yarns. Lots of text messages to get through after new sport and weather with Johnny Mack. Welcome back in. Um, being Friday the 4th of November, it is Gumboot Friday. The great man Mike King does so much wonderful, unfunded work all year, really helping and impacting uh, young lives um, when there's nowhere else to turn. Now, when I say unfunded, let's make today the day we fund them. You just text in the word BOOTS to 469. That's the number. Open your text machine, your text on your phone, Tap in the number 469 and then write the word boots, three bucks. Now just think about that. If 100 people did that right now, it's 300 bucks. And radio stations around the land will be saying this. There'll be posters up. And I would hope that every minute around the country, somewhere, there's 100 people a minute are texting in that. And we're generating $300 a minute for Mike King and his wonderful movement. Rubinho's just done it right then. He just did it right then. He texts Boots to 469. And guess what? His phone bill's going to go from $60 this month to 63 But he's done his bit to help. Many drips make an ocean, and we need an ocean of money for Mike King. Now, Mike King was on the breakfast show yesterday. It was heartfelt. There was a little bit of swearing in it, and they let it on because... He is so real. He is so raw, Mike King. If you need some convincing to text Boots to 469 for $3, go onto the SENZ app and listen back to the Mike King interview. Wonderful stuff. So I can't encourage you more. I can't make you, but I do encourage you to do it. If you can afford the $3, which is half a coffee, um, go and do that now. Boots to 469. Uh, While you're on the app, uh, this morning on Izzy and Kempi for Breakfast, uh, they had Tom Abercrombie, who's making a long-awaited return to the Breakers. Uh, first time in three years, I think it is, that he's played back in Auckland. He talked at length about his rehab, about his injury, and what it means to him to be back with the team that are top of the table. It's a top-of-the-table clash, too, which is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, Tom Abercrombie's there. And also on the SENZ uh, app, go into Smithies. 
for breakfast. Uh, sorry, Smithy's in the morning, but he had Ricardo sitting in the chair, and they had former NRL great Scotty Sattler on, also part of the SEN family in Australia, and they had a big, a big long chat. Um, guess what about? Guess what about? The Rugby League World Cup. Um, lots of stuff. Not just the games, but the whole movement of Rugby League. It was fantastic listen there. So that's where all of the podcasts are. Get yourself involved. Um, go and listen to the stuff. It's on demand because it's all been podcast for you to listen to whenever you want. Um, tonight, in fact, straight after this show at four o'clock, uh, we will start our build-up to the incredibly important T20 World Cup cricket match between Ireland and New Zealand. And, of course... The wonderful, excitable Daniel McCarty and uh, the loquacious Grant Elliott will be bringing you the call um, from four. I think the first the first ball's either four thirty or five, but you do want to listen to the to the build up. Like Grant Elliott's been there, done that. That's why he's part of the crew, and the passion and the excitement of Daniel McCarty, like. In the, in the radio world, um, he's just brilliant to listen to. So Ireland, New Zealand tonight at 4.30. And then on the back of that, we've got Afghanistan versus Australia. And cricket doesn't finish there because tomorrow night at 8.30, we've got Sri Lanka against England. Uh, another crucial, crucial game. This one, they all seem to mean so much. Of course, massive one for England uh, to get over the top of Sri Lanka. And also, also life, so there's just life sport all over the shop this weekend. 4.30, we've got the Phoenix against MacArthur. Big, big game for the Phoenix. I hope a lot of people turn up. Dan McCarty, he'll be exhausted from the cricket, but not too exhausted not to pick up the reins and call some round ball code for us down there in Wellington. We're so lucky to have Dan as our lead commentator for both cricket and football. 4.30 Sunday, live commentary, Phoenix against MacArthur. So a whole bevy, a big menu of live sport for you. Um, had a lot of texts in that first hour. We're talking about sports that just need a little bit more love. We feel needs just a little bit more love. Uh, from Maggie. Hi, Steffi. I never hear coverage of our equestrian eventers who have had enormous recent success. And we have husband and wife as number one and two in the world. And I also agree, not enough softball and tennis could be improved as well. Thank you, Maggie. Yes, another rich history again, equestrian. It's one of those sports that that um, gets caught in that Olympic loop, doesn't it? They all became household names and our heroes for a couple of weeks during the Olympics and then it sort of goes away. And then badminton might come around and we'll have someone leading and then it goes away. But yeah, I hear you, Maggie. I do hear you. Um, afternoon staff. Don't know what that text means. I'm not going to read it. Uh, one of the biggest martial arts, this is a big long text. I do like a long one. Um, and I have to hit a different box because it's so long. Right. One of the biggest martial arts in the world at the moment is Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It is a grappling submission martial art. Almost every fighter in the UFC needs to know it at some level, otherwise, you won't succeed. There is quite a boom of this martial art throughout the world and also little old New Zealanders. Practitioners of note, Tana Umanga. Brown belt, extremely high level, who won a silver medal recently at the BJJ, which is what it's called, Brazilian Jiu, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu World Masters. Matua Parkinson also practices the art. Unbeknownst to most, the greatest ever coach slash mind in the sport is a Kiwi who's been living in the States for 30 years. And his name, John Danaher. Write that down, Kez. We'll see if we can get him on the show. 
He's featured on the world's largest podcast and media platform, the Joe Rogan Experience, numerous times. He's an absolute fascinating mind. Brazilian, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is booming, and kids absolutely love it and partake in tournaments all over the country most weekends. It would be awesome to hear someone with more now than myself call in and give more of an insight. Thanks, Steffi. Jared, great text. I'll tell you something about uh, in my family with jiu-jitsu. My nephew... Um, He's been, I think he played for New Zealand in floorball. Um, so he embraces these other sports. He, he's into cycling. He's taken up surfing. And he had a crack in lockdown. He was living in London when COVID hit. And he flattered with a couple of guys that did jiu-jitsu. And, of course, the gyms closed, everything closed. So because they were in their bubble at home, he started they sort of taught him what they knew. They went tremendous at it. And then restrictions lifted. He went and joined a club and he quite enjoyed it. Then he returned back to New Zealand. He lived with my sister for a while and there was a jiu-jitsu club just down the road in Papamoa. And he, what do they call it? They go for a, a roll, I think they call it. And um, he just said the jiu-jitsu community is so awesome. And you might be up against the guy that's been doing it for four years. And my nephew had been doing it for six months. And they don't they don't break your arm or anything like that. And it's all help each other, help each other. And he said it's an amazing workout and he just absolutely loves it. And it's it's not violent or anything like that. It's a, it's a it's an engaging exercise. So I agree. Look, Captain K is gonna write down John Danaher's name. We'll see if we can approach him and fly the Kiwi flag. Thanks heaps for that text, Jared. Really, really appreciate it. And I know it's a big movement. Um do we play Pilota here. It was an Olympic sport, and I always found it fascinating. Pilota. Do you know what that game is, Captain K? Have you Googled that or anything in my in my um, reading of text messages? Yeah, so I did a quick Google of it, because you know I love my Olympic sports with handball. It's called uh, Basque Pilota. So Basque, I'm pretty sure it's that place in Spain. Hang on. France. Basque. Isn't Basque in Spain? Mm. Pilota. Span- yeah, Pilota, Spanish ball. So Spanish ball, okay. Pelota means ball in Spanish. So basically it's a variety of court sports being used in one. So I've got photos here. It looks like a mix of squash, lacrosse, and handball, but they're wearing helmets as well. Oh, have they got those big horseshoe things yes, on there? Yes, they do. I know that, that is, game. That is the one. It's that like, is the one. Yeah, uh, we used to play it in our hallway. Oh we, my goodness. we made those big claw things out of cardboard, corrugated cardboard, and used uh, table tennis balls. <laughs> so I know exactly what it is. So, do we play it? We did play it in Ruahini Street in Palmerston North when I was a kid. There you go. Great yarn, great yarn. Staffy, speaking of sports that get no love in New Zealand, we have our Aussie Rules semi final in Christchurch tomorrow. Up the mighty Eagles. They're chasing the three feet. Oh. Up the it is a fantastic sport, Aussie rules. It's really tried hard to. I know St Kilda put in a lot of work, Hawthorne put a lot of work um, to get it going in New Zealand. There is a competition in New Zealand. It's a wonderful sport. A friend of mine played it down in Wellington for a while. Said it was so much fun. In fact, Shannon Paku played it for a while down in Wellington. There you go, just to just to keep fit, and he ended up falling in love with it, wishing he'd found it a little bit earlier. Fantastic, Staffy. Yes, the go-kart track, or whatever it is, blow-kart, is still at Sanson on State Highway 1, and they still use it. Thank you, Di. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, afternoon, staff. Jason, oh, this is Jason Winyard, is from Karetu. Oh, yes, I remember that, Karetu in Northland, just up the road from where I'm from. 
And he is a great bloke and it's a great place. That's from Graham. Yes, I knew. As soon as I read that, I remember he told me he's from Northern. Underrated New Zealand athlete would have to be Marina Arakovic. Flying the flag for singles tennis for such a long time was in the top 50 at one stage and won a WTA Tour event. She was wonderful, Marina. Once again, once a year, ASB Classic, Marina Arakovic would walk out on a centre court and she was the darling of the crowd for about three days of the year and then she went off and did her thing. She was wonderful. Frisbee golf for me, Steph. It is a huge sport in the USA. That's where you throw it at the goal that's got chains holding up a ring and you've got to hit the chains that drops down into the goal. I think that's frisbee golf. I think I'm right. Good game, good game. I've never, never mastered the art of throwing a frisbee. I've, I just can't get, it, can't get it sorted. Staff, my sport is over 60s eardrums, <laughs> as in AIR drums. Don't get anywhere near the coverage of the ear guitar. Mark, I feel you. I'm an ear drummer. I'm not an ear guitar. Kez will attest to that, that when the music comes on, I ear drum. I don't ear guitar. So I'm with you, Mark. Need some more love. Staffy, couple of, for me, are stock car racing and indoor bowls. They are worlds apart, but they are great fun. True. Love my stock cars. Absolutely love my stock cars. Uh, Staffy, talking about Q Sports, do you know where Eddie Charlton died? I do. He died in Palmerston North. Um, And from memory, he had a, tumour somewhere but he died of cardiac arrest while in Palmerston North um, so I do know that he was he was wonderful Eddie Charlton and Pickleball has popped up on my text machine Pickleball is what I used to call when I was at intermediate school padded tennis little wooden bats not tennis rackets wooden bats sort of a tennis ball about a half size tennis court maybe two thirds Wonderful game. Wonderful game. Um, he's pointing to something. My nephew, Jana Mahari, participates in Strongman Staffy. Ed! Oh, Ed! I didn't know you fellas had some strong fellas in your family. Is that Ed from Tolaga Bay? I think that's Ed from Tolaga Bay. What were you pointing at? Uh, what were you pointing at, Rabinia? You want me to read something before we go, or are you pointing at the clock? No, I was pointing at kids. Oh, you're putting Just saying that his, like, uh, what'd you say? Your neighbor's a pro. Yeah, at my neighbor plays pro pickleball. He's got an Instagram account for his pickleball, and I started following it, and it's just been blowing up lately because pickleball is a sport that is on the rise. So it is starting to get the recognition that it does deserve. Mental. That is crazy. Uh, just quickly before we go to our last break. Um, Oh, I had one here. Here it is. From Craig. I just text the word boots to 469. Champion Craig. Mental health is so important. I have family members who are on that journey right now towards well-being. Fantastic. You know what it is? You know what's awesome? We need those resources to be there. If you need them, if your family need them, if your neighbours need them, if a New Zealander need them. And it's going to cost you $3 to help keep it afloat. We'll take a break. And when we come back, I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about Netball Fast Five. Deb Fuller, the coach of the Silver Ferns Fast Five team, after the break. .NZ. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Fast Five starts in a few minutes. It feels like a few minutes. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. The Fast Five netball is netball like you haven't seen it before. If you haven't seen it before, you should definitely get involved. Uh, the best teams in the world come here, but only five on the court at once. Joining us now, 
the coaching group of Julie Seymour and Deb Fuller. Uh, Deb, welcome in. Um, Fast Five's fun, but there's still serious parts to it, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, oh, look, it's a great competition. Um, the crowd have a real festival atmosphere. Um, and it's a great opportunity for us um, in New Zealand to give um, another playing group an opportunity to compete internationally after being, you know, after not having so many opportunities in the past couple of years. So um, really excited about this playing group and what we can do and um, just can't wait to get started, actually. It's a cool, it's a cool real mixed group of the, the squad of about 10 players or 11 players I can see here. A lot of uh, current Silver Ferns, a lot of past Silver Ferns and a lot of aspiring Silver Ferns. Does, does that make the coaching role a little bit more difficult because they're all coming from a, from a different <laughs> point of view? Um, I think it's, um, I don't think it makes it difficult. I think that's the reality of, again, providing opportunities. It's a great blend of experienced people like Sam Winders, who has um, played Fast Five before, and Aaliyah Dunn, who's been there before as well. And then you've got the breakthrough players like Georgia Heffernan, um, you know, Tiana Maturo has had Tessa Silver Fern. So it's a great opportunity for them just to get that taste of uh, international gameplay. Um, and it's pretty much international gameplay at full speed because the quarters are six minutes long. At the end of every quarter, there's a 90-second power play where goals are doubled. So um, it's really about playing some courageous, fast netball. And we've seen the super shot in the Australian competition. Just, uh, of course, that's shooting beyond the arc worth two points, and if you get it in that last 90 seconds, it's a four-pointer, which is blimmin' awesome. It can take six minutes to score four goals sometimes in a regular netball game. What are the main, for people that haven't seen this, what are the main rules differences? Uh, well, the main rule difference, obviously, is the five players, but the netball rules are the same. The only um, difference is the shooting. So um, out, the shooters can shoot outside the circle, and that's where three points and then six points in power play. And then there's a rim around the circle edge inside, which is two points and then a one-pointer from inside. So, you know, you, in usual netball, you protect the post, whereas in fast five, you're protecting that um, two-point three band. So defenders are having to adjust how they play. Um, and attackers, um, you know, they, they also know that being under the post is okay, but being, being able to shoot long and accurate um, when you've got time pressure is um, really a test of, of, you know, how well they can handle those big moments. You mentioned five players on the court, so the two that drop off are the, the wing attack, wing defence. I'm just thinking, what a workload for the centre. Jeez, they're going to have to do some yeah, running. And- they do, and that's what we say. It's like running a Bronco and then another Bronco, <laughs> which is a shuttle on the court. So that is why um, you can also have um, limit, limitless substitutions. So um, some teams opt to play each centre for two minutes. Some teams go three minutes. just depends how fit your centres are. So, um, And then goal defence and goal attack have bigger roles in being able to bring the ball through court and then defend through court. So you're basically doubling their workload. With these long shots that are worth so much more, I've had a spy who tells me Phil DeVuey shoots long shots for fun. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> oh, look, she's she's one of our shooters like Harley Dunn and 
Georgia Heffernan and Tianamaturo, they've all got that beautiful laconic shot, which um, you know their their whole balance of how they shoot starts and how they turn. And um, because they've got such great technique, the height of their shot means that they can actually adjust to the distance. So um, we played the New Zealand men team, men's team last night and, you know, we were down by quite a lot. But because you can gain six points in the power plays, you can pull um, a big deficit back really fast. Does it make the the one-point goal almost redundant? Do you think there'll be times in the game, I guess if you're chasing someone and you've got an open one point, you'd almost pass it up because you need two or three? Yeah, you've got to keep um, ticking the scoreboard over. So um, whilst you, of course, would love people to be able to shoot threes all day, um, securing um, some points with the one-pointer is really important as well. A lot of people just go for the threes and that puts that, that means you've either got to nail it or you've got to have a 100% rebounder in your team. So um, there's pressure at both ends of that. There's pressure on the shot and pressure on the person who can receive it. So um, it's quite tactical, Steffi. Um, So, and and it's tactical in a way that, you know, a lot of the girls, well, no one's played Uganda before. So they're new to the competition because they beat Malawi in Commonwealth Games. And, um, you know, they've got some players that have got contracts in England who are as tall as Grace, Wiki. So, Mm. you know, you're going to have to contend with that. Um, So it's about them being able to adapt and learn really fast on the fly. One of the things that I know the fans, the people that actually go and the ones that watch on TV as well, is the team entrances and the dancing and the parties. And we've got, you know, we've got Jamaica and Uganda. We know they're going to bring their flair. Uh, your team, uh, the likes of Tiana, uh, Alia, uh, Kimmy, the, these are TikTokers, right? And I've learned that TikTokers know <laughs> moves and they know dance. Ha, be honest, is there rehearsing going on in the team room with, <laughs> for entrances and stuff? Well, I think I've exhausted them so much. I don't know if I've got time. They might just have to revert to the 80s caterpillar or something like that. Um, (laughs) To be honest, I'm not sure. That's not in my um, job description to get the dancers over the line. Um, But but (laughs) you'll let them have a boogie, won't you? You'll let them have a boogie. Um, I will let them have a boogie on Sunday night when we finish. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Savvy. Now I'll let them have a boogie when they enter the stadium. That'll be really cool. But man, some you know you look at those Caribbean girls and um, and you know oh, I, I hope our dance moves can hold up. <laughs> I don't know if New Zealand is known for our dancing in in terms of a nation, but you know there's always a always an opportunity to to try something new and be innovative. <laughs> Absolutely. But back to the business on the court. Um, I don't know whether you've had a chance to have a look at the makeup of the squads of the visitors. Aussie will be strong. England will be strong. I guess they'll all be strong in their own sort of ways. We treat this, while it's fun, we treat it seriously in a proper campaign. I'm guessing the other nations do as well. Oh, they do. And they do. Everybody has um, probably brought um, really strong squads this year and prioritised it as... um, you know, a high-performance competition for their calendars, primarily because in, like, nine months' time, we're playing World Cup in South Africa and Cape Town. So everybody wants to see what their players are like on tour, 
what their players are like when they have to adjust their game style to um, match and beat an opposition. So for coaches, this is absolute gold. You know, Knowles is, is not here, but she and the selectors will be um, watching with eager anticipation about how how we adjust and how how we can, um, you know, just play that dynamic New Zealand game style that we're known for. Am I right in saying we've won every single Fast Five, us being New Zealand? No, England England got one. All oh, right. Um, so, um, no, no, we haven't had a clean slate on that. But again, this, this year is really different, and I've told the girls, you know, I hate dining out on history. It's about living in the moment, and you're a completely new playing group. So nothing, history doesn't really matter right now. It's like what we're doing and how hard we're working, and you've got to earn it. See, that's why you're the head coach. I don't like dining out on history. See, it's those little nuggets that just roll off your tongue, Deb Fuller. Well, you know, you don't, do you? No. Everyone's going, oh, you know, you've won so many in a row. Wow, 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 that means nothing. You know, let's just get in and do some hard work and see what happens. Brilliant. Oh, well, I can't wait to watch it and... Um I can't wait to see our athletes out there. The likes of, you know, Kate Burley, Taylor Earle is just an absolute fitness freak. Oh, uh, Sammy Winder's yep. back in it. Um, it's, it's just going to be awesome. Really, really excited for it. And I'm going to keep a special eye on the dancing too because I reckon you underestimate how good these <laughs> girls go, eh? <laughs> well, they want me to do a TikTok, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm too old for that stuff, girls. <laughs> and um, besides, you know, I spelled tick with T-I-C-K. I didn't realise somebody had dropped the C. So, yeah, no, they I'm sure um, our girls will come to the party and won't disappoint. Brilliant, Deb. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend. I can't wait to watch. Thanks, Steffi. Take care. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Playlist, mate. You're gonna have to make me a play. I like your tunes. I'll do it. Who's that Sounds one? Good. Uh, Still feel by Half Alive. See, never heard it. See, if I heard Half Alive, I'd think that was a grunge, thrash metal or something like that. But it's not. It's a tune. It's a tune. We got another tune. Have we got another tune now for our next, our next guest, our next guest? Have we got that tune? He's trying to find it. Wait for the hot, hot sun. Wait for it. Brother Bella's in the back, sweet singers in the front, cruising down the freeway in the hot, hot sun. Brenda Papa Wow on a Friday. G'day, Pops. <laughs> oh, there you go, girl. Get your TikTok going on that one, uh, Fast Five. <laughs> I tell you what, they could come out to that, and the and none of the other teams would know the song, and we would dominate that, and they could just do a little cruisy thing. Like, yes, boy, I'm gonna con- I'm gonna contact. Um, I think Tiana Matudo, she's the TikTok queen in the Silvers. I'll just say, how bizarre TikTok to that queen, and I reckon they might come up with something. 
Keep your eyes peeled, Pops. Keep your eyes peeled. What a weekend. Like, I normally think, oh, I'll talk to him about that and that. But there's just so much. There's so much, Pops. Don't know where to go. There is. There's so much ground to cover, isn't there? Um, look, we'll start with today, with something that's happening today. And, and of course, it's the, it's the Black Caps uh, with their important match against Ireland. We've seen uh, money for the Black Caps, obviously, at $1.10. But what we were seeing, a uh, nice little bit of movement, is around our boosted bet, uh, which is Finn Allen to hit the most sixes in the match at $5. We've taken a little bit of money around that boosted price of $5. And also punters getting around the sixes option with Finn Allen and Glenn Phillips to both hit two or more sixes each. Now that's at $4. We know the form of Glenn Phillips and if Finn Allen can get going, well, that might be uh, not the worst $4 bet there. And that's been the best power play option. And I brought this one up yesterday with with Kirsten Beave, and it's happened again. First ball of the match, we're taking money for dot ball at a dollar sixty-two. Now this is the third. This is the third time we've taken decent money around this. Both times they've come in. Uh, last night in the Pakistan game, it was a dot ball, and in the India game, there was a dot ball that was very well played. So this punter, maybe it's the same one. I'm not sure, but there's seventeen hundred dollars on a dot ball at a dollar sixty-two. I tell you what. If New Zealand bat first in this match, you'd be. Uh, I'm putting I'm putting five dollars on six runs because Finn Allen yeah. he don't care that it's the first ball of the match. Five, I'm not saying no. he'll get it, but sixty seven dollars it's paying for a six first ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there, staff. Actually, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm happy to lose a fiver on on the excitement yep. and anticipation of that bowler's run up. <laughs> <laughs> it would be it. It would be it, and I'd watch it back. And you could hit that for six. Um, yeah. Wales All Blacks. I haven't checked out this today. Um, is the point start still eleven? It is. Yep. Yep. Still eleven. Still taking money on it though. At the same time with Wales uh, at that dollar eighty-five. Uh, we've started to see, <clears throat> excuse me, some movement on of money towards the All Blacks. It's, it's taken a little time. Uh, for that to happen, but we've, we've seen a couple of $1,000 bets this afternoon on the All Blacks, and we've seen money for them involved in a number of multis, uh, especially uh, all Kiwis over all different formats, in fact, uh, starting today in the in the cricket, going through the Kiwis to win their match 13 and, 13 and over, the Blackburns to win head-to-head, uh, and the All Blacks, and the All Blacks 15. So that, that's um, one multi where we've seen a 1000 on all of those uh, New Zealand team to to win, uh, and then we've seen another version of that where we've taken two thousand eight hundred on Blackburns to win head to head, All Blacks to win, and All Blacks fifteen uh, to win their matches. So, yep, a bit of money coming towards the All Blacks. Uh, they currently at a dollar thirty versus Wales at three sixty, and I think we spoke yesterday. Wales. 1-12, to 12, still very popular in the winning team in margin. And I won't be talking to you before they race tomorrow. Um, arguably the best race day, the best punting day at Flemington, a nine-race programme that starts at 2.40, finishes at 10-8 to 8 tomorrow night. Wonderful, casual Saturday viewing and punting at Flemington. What do we look at? Look, I think uh, one of the key races to look at tomorrow is Nature Strip. Now, he, he takes his place there tomorrow, uh, which will be race number six in the uh, champion sprint. Now, he's a dollar eighty-five. He was beaten in the Everest. He, he'd had a tough trip. He was four wide the whole way, and he was beaten by Giga Kick number 14. 
who's his race rival. He loves running in a straight line. That's what he'll have there tomorrow uh, at Flemington, down the straight six. He's going to be awfully hard to beat. And we have actually taken our most money uh, through our Flemington races on Nature Strip. He's $2 into $1.85. If you are looking for a cheeky bet in that race on a New Zealand horse, Levante, number 12, she's drawn out wide with him. She ran a really great fourth at Flemington uh, throughout March. She can run a top four. Uh, so if you're not interested on $1.85 on Nature Strip to win, Levante, number 12, top four, is $3.20. Uh, she's one of our best horses uh, in the country, uh, out of NZ, and she'll run a cracking race uh, there tomorrow. Yeah, I was going to say, the place bet in that race is the way to go, isn't it? With Nature Strip at $1.85, the shortest price, place price, in the race is Giga Kick, who's second favourite, $1.85, and you can come first, second, third. I feel... I was controversially uh, shot down last time Nature Strip raced and said won't win. Um, I'm going to say it again. I don't think Nature Strip wins again. I don't. I think we've seen the best of Nature Strip. 58 and a half kilos. Giga Kick who beat it last time. It's got 53 and a half. Um, I don't want it to not win, but I think Nature Strip's done. Yeah, well, look, and it could be the, the, the tide is changing. Uh, Giga Kick could be the next Nature Strip, to be honest with you. He's a three-year-old. That, that could be anything. Mm. Uh, and with the way he won the... Uh, the, the Everest, I mean, he could keep lining up in the Everest for the next three or four years, just like nature stripping, and keep on winning it. So, yep, look, it's, it's not the silliest idea. And if you're thinking that way then, well, then just start exploring the place market or finding something on the each way. There is a horse that's worth looking into as well that's been very well backed uh, there at Flemington in race number seven. And it's a horse that did actually finish second in the Everest by the name of Private Eye. He runs over 1,600 metres, race seven, number two. He's three fifty into two dollars and fifty cents. He came out Ooh. and smashed them last weekend, and he's a very good horse, and he doesn't mind running over sixteen hundred meters. And uh, Captain K, my trusty steed in the glass booth next to me, he loves alligator blood. He said to me yesterday, it's his favourite horse of all time. Any chance to run a place in this? Chance, yep, because he's drawn low. He's got a low draw of barrier number three, and, and the more likelihood that he'll be uh, either leading or, or sitting in second position. So his best place is leading. That's where you want him to be. Uh, yep, 652.10, nice on the each way. Awesome, Pops. Enjoy your weekend. It's a bounty of sport and racing. Thanks, buddy. All good, Steph. Cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy. Uh, all of those odds that me and Brendan Popperwell were just talking about were available on the TAB app, available in your app store, or if you don't app things, website things, tab.co.nz. Do it responsibly. Keep your level head about it. Five bucks here, ten bucks there. Um, don't forget to pay your other bills before you have a bit of fun. But have a bit of fun. It's so much fun. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, got some cool text messages that we've been taking uh, since the show started at 12 about some lesser sports. Some crackers here. Some crackers. We'll get to those after this. And now it's time for the GWE Topper TV Character Jamboree Halftime Report. Oh, Captain K, he's left the building. He's at the arena where the grand final is taking place. Now, Karen, I hope you can hear me uh, coming in through the tie Test. line. Uh, don't give the score away, but just a bit of a progress report at halftime. Yeah, thank you so much, Mark. Uh, do you like that delay there from me? Love the two. Look, uh, Steph, look, I've just had to sneak away. You can still hear the crowd in the background, but look, it has been a phenomenal start. Look, we've just hit half time. We have had an injury, Steph. I will give you that. 
One of Mr. Bean's boys has gone down, Ooh. but don't worry, it is still a nail-biter here, Steph. We've just uh, had to go upstairs to see if Basil Fawlty's buzzer beater to end the second half will count. I'm still awaiting that, so I will update you as soon as I get back to that, Steph. But as, like I said before, absolute nail-biter. I couldn't pick it now. If I'm telling you, if you want to bet for the afternoon, don't. Hold off, because it is impossible to call right now, Steffi. I am absolutely looking forward to getting my hot dog, heading back out sitting courtside and enjoying probably the greatest national championship game we will ever see. Thank you very much. There he is, Captain K, live from the Jiwi Dome, uh, bringing you halftime, and it really is halftime because at, I think um, the judiciary is going to close off at, let me just double check this, it is closing off at 3.30, announcement at 3.32-ish. So that's how long you've got to vote. The GWE Top of TV character Jamboree. It is Mr. Bean taking on Basil Fawlty. And you just text to double eight double three. Text either Basil or Bean. And we will have our grandstand winner. Last break. Lots of text to get through before the news. Stick around. There's some rippers. LinkedIn. Gull. Fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Oh, look, we are back. We are definitely back. Um, some ripper text. Kia ora, Staffy. I used to live in Papamoa. They had a ripper blow cart facility on the back road to Te Puki, and it was great. Sparky Bris Vegas. Sparky and Bris Vegas. Blow carting. I know, I know the very road you're talking about. I know the exact road you're talking about. That would be Ripper. Um, hey, Staffy, the text number for Gumboot Friday doesn't work in Australia, so I found the website and I donated that way. Might be worth mentioning to your overseas posse or listeners. Yes, it is. Gumboot, gumbootfriday.org.nz. And there's a How Can I Donate tab there. And um, they've got suggested ones or, or whatever you like. Um, brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you for doing that. And Darren's then gone on and say he's done that himself. Thank you, kind gents. And I think uh, Ken did as well. Brilliant. Um, Tyson says they've banned all contact sports at school lunchtimes. It's a bit sad, I reckon, Staffy. Catch and kiss was a national sport in the playground, Staffy. It was. Catch and kiss. <laughs> Staffy, yes, Bull Rush. We played it every lunchtime at primary school. I'm about sta- uh, from about standard for form one from Die. Yes, it was just an all in. wasn't a boys game, wasn't a girls game. It was a kids game. Uh, water polo was a great sport. We have some athletes on the world stage. Joe Case plays and played for Australia and is one of the world's premier players. Uh, nephew of Jimmy. Yes, I knew. I knew he had a relation that played. Good water polo. His daughter's a very good surf lifesavers as well. Uh, Rebecca Parks plays for Hungary and picked up an Olympic medal last year. Athletes in New Zealand are dedicated and train most mornings before 7am and most nights finishing at 9am. We have some absolute champion athletes, Scotty, like like you've just mentioned there. Um, fantastic. Uh, water polo, underwater hockey is another one, I know. I was talking... A long time ago that we had some good uh, motocross guys and it was the King Brothers. They were the ones I was trying to remember. Daryl, and I'm going to think it was Shane, uh, but John Texter, it was the King Brothers. Thank you. Um, every, um, 
Every four years I get entranced, entranced, yes, and obsessed with the curling at the Winter Olympics, and then I don't watch it again for the next four years. It's so good to watch, isn't it? It's so good to watch. Uh, Craig has texted her and said, um, this is the Mr Bean against Basil Fawlty um, playoff in the grand final, and Craig suggested Basil may struggle to win if he can't eliminate the double faults. Nice, Craig. Staffy, great segment. One thing that I think is cool is that Sky Sport Next on YouTube carries a lot of obscure sports, national champs, etc. It's amazing what you can come across on there, Jeremy. I love um, I love sports that you're not familiar with. It's, I just find it so entertaining. I remember, I think I, I hassled Sky when they first came to New Zealand and they they rolled it out across the country. And I rang them every week from Palmerston North saying, when are you coming to Palmy? When are you coming to Palmy? I just wanted to be the squeaky door gets the oil. Finally, they rang me and said, it's coming to Palmy. And I was the first person in Palmy. You know, the very first thing I watched on Sky Sport after it was installed that night after work, I watched snowmobile racing in Canada, like jumps and hoops and all that sort of stuff. And I loved it. And there was one Sky Sport channel. And whatever was on, I watched it till one in the morning because I finally had my massive dose, my massive feed of sport. And now we're given a smorgasbord with channels and streaming services, uh, services deluxe. Sports fan stream. Uh, we've got new sport and weather with Johnny Mack uh, coming up at two. And after two, the Jeremy Paul Show. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Official Robbie, you're putting, you're making me a playlist. I'm digging your tunes today, champion. Uh, good Great. stuff. Who's thank that? You, thank you. It's a uh, right way round by Saint Raymond. Another another band that I uh, actually had never heard of, but I uh, I listen to Spotify's Discover Weekly. Oh, okay. There it is. Um, one of our great listeners has said uh, they've just come through the tunnel at Mount Messenger, and the traffic is brutal. Just giving you uh, commuters out there a bit of a heads up. Police are trying to get rid of the protesters as we speak. It was on Johnny's News, apparently. Um, tricky times. Tricky times. Um, Steph. <laughs> Have you tried the new mango mango orange fruju? Yum. Look, great question. Is that the one they bring out every summer? I feel it's sort of like a... Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, yeah, seasonal, but it's like the pastel colours. They're not bright orange and bright yellow. It's the pastel colour and it's called a... Oh, it's got a name. Um, but no, I haven't, Mark, but thank you for asking. I do appreciate um, those questions at the start of summer. We are approaching the biggest week 
you can imagine in harness racing. And the great man who joins us weekly, just about every week, uh, he's always he always writes us a note and sends it on Carrier Pigeon to tell us why he's not here. But he's here this week. No pigeon arrived. Cameron Kirkwood joins us from New Zealand Harness Racing. G'day, Cam. G'day, mate. No, no pigeon this week. No. Um, look, uh, one of my hardest questions for you will be what will be your highlight over the next few days, but there are just so many, aren't there? That's a tough question. That's like trying to choose the favourite of your kids. You just can't. There's too many good things going on. <laughs> so, not I have I'm sure it's that way. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to be talking to Darren Williams later on from Addington. We'll probably hone in on the New Zealand Cup. So, let's have a look at some of the the supporting races. Some of the some of the interesting yarns that that will come out of it, out of next week. Do you think? Yeah, there's like race like the Junior Free for All. That usually, in, in recent years anyway, has fallen away and not necessarily been the best race it could be uh, on numbers and and quality. But this year, it's a full field of 14, and you could near say every single one of them could win it. It is... It's, it's, believe, oh, it's great. It's great. I just can't wait for it. <laughs> is that uh, for three-year-olds, or is there an age group? And does the junior relate to the driver or the horse? No, that's um, just historically called the junior free-for-all. I'm sure it had something back in the day as to why it was junior. Um, But these are the ones that, these are open-class paces that didn't make the cup field or didn't Ah, Ah, gotcha. So are we going to see the likes of um, Sandwave and me old mate Republican Party that I might have had a little dart on at the Interdoms? Don't know whether it'll go or not. Is it those sorts of horses? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those ones. All right. What else is on the card next Tuesday apart from um, apart from the the New Zealand Cup? Obviously, that is the the marquee event. But there'll be other group races. I think that Junior Free for All is a group race as well. But what else? Yeah, it is a group race. There's also a Group One for the three year old fillies, which is a very open race. Uh, that, that 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 for the Nevely R fillies final which has had about half a dozen heats leading into this. So mm. it's uh, quite good that they're all going to get their chance there. Because th- this is the race where you'll have horses with really good form paying really big money because you'd, you've you've got to be of a, reason, of, a, of a good standard even to make the field. So is there a potential for a blowout in this race? Oh, 100%. 100%. And, and to be fair, in most races, um, I think the first, three races on the card will have a five six dollar favorite so um it won't be hard to get a double figure or further along uh dividend fantastic all right we'll keep a close eye i know you're going to enjoy the next week mate uh you guys work so hard down there and uh it's not easy for you next week but it'll be very enjoyable seeing all the people interacting with your code it's going to be a magic week definitely and most importantly we'll be able to have a full crowd back uh because all COVID restrictions are lifted, so it should be a great day. Absolutely. Can't wait. Thanks, Cam. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Cheers, buddy. Cam Kirkwood there out at Harness Racing New Zealand. Now, shortly, we're going to head across to Australia to our great former Wallaby friend, one Jay Paul, Jeremy Paul. I still have a heap of text messages to get through, which I will get to. I will get to. But any questions for Jeremy Paul? Now, remember, they could have potentially lost that game. Some might say should have if the Scottish chap had have kicked over that last 
I don't know if it was last minute, but it was last three-minute penalty. Um, and Aussie got out of Scotland with a win. They take on France this week. But you can have your considered questions, your tongue-in-cheek questions, your ridiculous questions. He embraces them all. Jeremy Paul, the former Wallaby hooker, will be joining us. But text the questions, double eight double three. That is the temper bed post text machine. JP, after the break. Fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Hmm. Just getting JP up. He won't be far away. Uh, some more of the uh, texts that have been coming in over the last, what have we got, two and a quarter hours. Uh, Namhi Staffy, I picked gold trip and I want a bonus Bet playing Ricardo on Stump by Smithy, so I plonked it on. I listened in, and you tipped it too. Ed, oh, kia ora, Ed. Good man, good man. Paid some money, didn't it? Uh, uh, lesser known sports, mate. What about Cub? You know the amazing thing about this very inclusive social or competitive game is you can hold your beer while you throw the wooden battens. Now, I think I played Cub... Not long ago, the same nephew I was talking about earlier that's into jiu-jitsu, he bought that. Is that where you have the wooden battens um, out on the ground and you throw battens at them and knock them over? It was fun. It was a bit windy, so they, and it was on a bit of a undulating surface, so some of them blew over the wind, so it had to be reset. But I did enjoy it, Tyson. Good shout. Um, Simon's donated to Gumboot Friday. Good man, Simon. Uh, Mike King. Is a legend. He is. And remember, you can text, you can text in uh, the word boots to four six nine. A three dollar donation. It's Gumboot Day. It's the most important day for Mike King's Gumboot Friday. It's Gumboot Friday today. Remember when we when we have Daffodil Day, we have Poppy Day. They're the most important days. Well, this is Mike King's one. He does fantastic work. So do text in to four six nine. Um, the word boots and three dollars will go to that wonderful, wonderful charity. It needs all the support he can get. And for overseas listeners, you can go to uh, gumbootfriday.org.nz and you can donate via there. It's time. It's time. It's time for the Jeremy Paul Show with your hosts Mark Stafford and Jeremy Paul. Yes, the great man beams in from Australia and JP. It was squeaky bum time for Wallabies fans. It was squeaky bum time for All Blacks fans. Uh, The international window opened with a ripper last week. Mate, kia ora, bro. Good (laughs) to be back. Hey, you left left your mate over here in Aussie like you chasing some cash. You just... Just left me off for the week, bro. Well, I you, missed you. You said that's my and boy. you know what? You said that's and my boy. Mate, that's my boy, Blue. <laughs> um, man, you know what? I looked at your tips too because I had first, third, and fourth in the Melbourne Cup and your emirate, um that you chose as your top pick came second. I wish I wish I would have known that. I had I first, second, first. and fourth. Yeah, I didn't get third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 mate. Yeah, I had. <laughs> mate, we should talk more. Well, I know. Um, yeah, no, we'll get it next year, bro. Next year, next year. Yeah, what? The thing I love, mate, about like where rugby is now at the moment. Because see, the game is is 
is like everyone thinks the game in Australia is is diabolical, right? Like in terms of rugby union, um, because of the the Wallabies and because um, we we are all tracked by the Wallabies here in Australia. But in terms of the game around the world, it's probably the strongest it's ever been. And I, look, I remember when I used to play Scotland, I never lost to Scotland or Ireland. Um, I don't think I lost to Wales either in my entire career. Mm. And um, and now when I look at the strength of um, the Northern Hemisphere teams, doesn't it just make the, the World Cup next year just that tantalising, like how good is it going to be? Because it's always sort of been Southern Hemisphere rugby, right? But now what we're seeing, like, mate, I used to have to lock myself in my room when I used to go to Scotland because the grass markets, like I'd just be on the drink for like two or three because we were playing Scotland. Like who cared? Like it was, it was just like, <laughs> like oh, it's only Scotland. I have another couple of beers. Um, but now, like they've actually had the wood over us in, in many years. So to, to get that win um, and to see our boy, Tate McDermott, like yes. unfortunately, mate, he was – I can't. I don't understand why he's not playing more. But look, obviously Dave Rennie has a plan for him. Um, unfortunately, he's not available this weekend after getting a hit to the head. And my boy Jock Campbell um, got off the bench last week and starting at fullback this weekend. So like, he's a super young talent. Um, but again, all the injuries that the Wallabies have faced, um, I just feel that um, like this is just going to galvanise a good squad. And I think leading into next year's Rugby World Cup. Um, will give Dave Rennie lots of options. So, you know, where we see negatives, there's some good positives. And and it's um, and look, Ian Foster lives again, eh? Lives again another week. So, <laughs> my you though, man. Imagine if they lost to Japan. My God, my God. But haven't they improved as well? My goodness, man. They've got a high-paced game. They, they they play a good brand of footy, Japan. Yeah, they, and like the coaching, Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown. I think Tony Brown is Wayne Smith reborn. He's he's the new professor, if you like. He's innovative. He And he, I just feel like he looks at the place and thinks, and really thinks about what can I ask them to do that they can do and, and will be a surprise. I, I love Tony Brown coached backlines. Couldn't agree with you more, bro. Like, um, that's the thing. Like, it's, it's the, the way the game is played now is not necessarily like say like like a Jonah you would not be necessarily using him as a runner but potentially as a blocker or as a um you know as a runner that is a decoy like the the moves now and the running lines um their passing ability um are all things that are indicative of tony brown right like because he was he was always a crafty little player like Mm. playing because i I had the fortune fortunate enough to play in my entire career and um and we always lost to otago and and like always lost to the highlanders in dunedin i actually think it was a scheduling problem personally we always used to land in dunedin and o week um orientation week for uni so might have had a couple too many as well like down in dunedin so we always lost but they always seem to play so well. And Tony Brown was almost man of the match every single time. And I think he's translated that into his into his coaching. And and I just think he sees the game differently, like you just sort of said, like with Wayne Smith. I think he's like that out-of-a-box type of coach. And um, no, look, I, I think once players, like, like again, like, you know, Rico – um, and I think like Roger, once once they sort of figure out like um, in terms of their combinations, oh, look, New Zealand 
is unstoppable, right, when they figure out their combinations. And I still think they're figuring those out, particularly when you've got, like, Bowden Barrett and Richard Moana. Like, how do you choose between those two? Like, mm. seriously, mm. how do you? Then you've got the Barrett boys, right, like where Geordie can play 12 or 15. Um, you know, Will Jordan is arguably the most exciting talent in the world. And then you've got someone like Sebu Reese, who's just the most consistent bloke. <laughs> like, he is just so dangerous, like both in attack and defence. My God, the guy rips off massive hits and, and can jackal um, like the best of them. Actually, bro, quick quick note, the mm-hmm. jackal. Do you, know, do you know that word, the jackal, right, when someone's jackling the ball? Do you know where that word came from? I don't. That came from the Brumbies. So back in the two th- back in two thousand, we had a guy called Troy Jacques, and we used to call him. His nickname was the Jackal. And then we were watching a video one day, and he was getting in there, and he was pilfering the ball. And we go, the Jackal. There you go. He's gone, gone and done the Jackal. And then it spread all around the world. Wow. So we created that word. Wow, I like that. I like the origination of saying, so there we go. Now we all know. Um, as always, JP, we asked for some questions. Um, Mark has sent in a question. Now, you may not know, but we have a thing today called Gumboot Friday. We've got a great man. He's actually a former comedian, and um, he's been through some horrific um, drug and alcohol addiction, oh. mental health issues, and he has set up a um, like a mental health... Um, organization and he is doing so much amazing work in anxiety depression and suicide prevention for our youth in New Zealand he's incredible and he's awesome. and he's not funded by the government at all and he's got a fundraiser today and people can text through and uh, every text is just three dollars and it's cheapest chips but it's his big day so a question for JP from Mark not a question but in the theme of gumboot Friday has JP got any advice for young athletes regarding dealing with the pressures of being a high-performing athlete, uh, for example, with the media and also the rise and rise of social media? Have you got any advice? Oh, look, great question. Um, look, <laughs> the, the external pressures now of today, um, particularly obviously not just with social media but camera phones, everyone's a journalist now, Um Best thing, look, some of the best things we used to do back in the past are still prevalent today. That is making sure, because really the issues, like when you when you look at a, a young professional these days, it's more about the social aspect, right, and getting themselves into trouble because they have all the training, they have all the, all the playing, pretty much locked down with all the different coaches, but where they come unstuck is the social element and finding themselves in what we used to call a nightmare scenario. Like what, one, of the, one of the key things is to make sure you're in a good group of people and good group of support pretty much what I like to call the circle of care. So having good mentors like outside of, of your sport as well. So people that you can learn about life. Um, always make sure you're incredibly humble. I remember, um, and the humility, I remember the very first time I met Laurie Daly, um, absolute hero of mine. I was, I was 22 years of age down in Canberra and we just lost the finals to the Crusaders and he comes over, I was in a bar and he comes up to me and he goes, God, Jeremy, mate, unlucky tonight. G'day, love to meet you, Laurie Daly. And I turned around and went, duh, <laughs> you're, you're Laurie Daly. And it just showed the humility of the man that you play a sport, 
like you, you just remember that you play a sport and it's always a humbling experience that you, you, you and a privilege that you get to do this. Um, so surround yourself with, with good people, um, particularly outside of the sport. So you learn about life after rugby, because if you know there's an end to it and you realize there's an end to it, then you'll make sure you maximize the most out of your, out of the support that you do. And just, do other things like outside of footy, not just the mentoring side, but the charity work. And I know a lot of sports people do this because unfortunately you're in this bubble of, of ignorance, naivety, as well as ego. And you just, it's a fake world. Um, and so the more stuff that you can do outside in terms of community work, jumping on something like this, like Gumboot Friday, um, will ground you as a person. So yeah, keep, Build your circle of care, get mentors outside, um, always be humble and, and have that humility about you and, and do other things. Great answer. Great answer, champion. Um, there's some more questions. I've had so many questions coming. You're not going to ask me about the cricket? Oh, bro. Oh, we've got, that. About- we've got that sewn up. <laughs> oh, what about <laughs> you do too, you buggers? Like I tell you what, man. Like the the calculators are out for the run rate at the moment, right? Like it's just made that two hundred they scored in that first game, and we we got out for just over a hundred. It killed us, absolutely killed us. So, my Kiwis are looking absolutely magic, mind you. Got dusted up by the English the other night, but. We saw Pakistan beat South Africa last night when the when uh, South Africa beat the Indians, right? Like so, mm. what a competition! Yeah, oh, the Black Caps are just doing their thing for world cricket. By you know, England beat us, makes it harder for Australia to go through. Yeah, mate. Do you know what? Do you know what? I was actually thinking that when I was watching. I was like, going, <laughs> I was like thinking, well, no, no, no. So when when we in the '99 World Cup, right? Our our look. So in the 99 World Cup, we were watching the semi-final and the French, when they, that unbelievable turnaround in the second half, right, um, we would like just go, we were screaming, going, yes, like this one, because we obviously wanted to play the French. Um, and our poor bloke, our poor um, IT guy who who basically cut up vision the entire year of just the All Blacks didn't sleep for 48 hours because he had to cut up. We had nothing on the French. <laughs> we had nothing on the French. So I was like thinking, do you know what, man? Like they knew they were going to lose. Like, cause you know, at a point where, you know, you got to kind of just, you, you, you're not, you're not going to win this game in cricket. How about you just like destroy the run rate for Australia? Like, absolutely. Like knock them out because if the Australians fired, they were always going to be a big threat and did beat them in the world cup final last year. So Smart work by the Kiwis. Well done. I'm I'm going for the Kiwis now because I can because I'm in both camps. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and no, I can cheer for the Aussies if they make it, and we don't because I know Jeremy Paul. Um, Correct. That's all it'll take. That's all it'll take. Uh, one more question, and it's a bit of a weird one, and uh, I'm going to ask you to stay on the line as we take news, and I know you'll probably oblige if we do that. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Right. Well, we've got another one here. Um, it's a bit random, but you're used to these from New Zealanders. What's the we- weirdest thing that you like to have on your toast the weirdest thing on my toast <laughs> not a big I, i'm not a big toast man like i mean i'm getting gluten intolerant man it blows my stomach up like a freak like i don't eat i don't eat much bread anymore but back in the day obviously it used to be vegemite jam and butter just butter good old and huge amounts of it. Like, <laughs> Nothing like a good butter and bread, bro. It was like um, having bread with your butter. 
rather than butter oh, no, with absolutely. your Absolutely. Yeah, a little bit of bread with the butter. Thank you. Fantastic. Especially the real butter, not that margarine. Yeah, that's it, mate. Hey, hold on there just for about 90 seconds or so. We'll take new sport and weather. We'll, course, be, we'll be back with Jeremy Paul after this. Uh, Robinho coming through with the tunes. Uh, JP, former Wallaby, is still on with us. Uh, an elongated Jeremy Paul show. Why not? Why not? Uh, questions, JP. One from our great man, Ed, from Tolaga Bay. Says, Namahi, JP, up the East Coast, Heartland, Lahore Cup winners. Their coach, <clears throat> excuse me, their coach is Jose Aguirre. Did you get to play against Jose? I did. I did, mate. He was... Um... Jose and Rico, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Look, two incredible players. Actually, friends on Facebook, and I have seen that um, go through on his feed. And um, oh, congratulations! It's it's good to see past players um, getting in. Look, I I don't I don't like think that people who haven't played professional rugby aren't necessarily going to be great coaches. Um, of course they wouldn't. Um, but if you have had that experience um, and been in that system, but also have that, like that, those life skills, mm. um, I, I think they, they can become very, very, very good coaches. So, um, oh no, congratulations. And yeah, true the East Coast. <laughs> Not the Paro East Coast. The great thing about Jose Gear is um, like he's come in and like when he was playing for the Hurricanes, had a bit to do with him. And he's, he is like the consummate professional with exercise with recovery, with nutrition, sports dietitian, all that sort of stuff. And he's brought a bit of that into the East Coast. He's going, boys, 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 you know, we're, we're three hours away from kickoff. Best we put the beers down. And he's, I think he's he's just <laughs> slowly introduced a little bit of that into them. But, but he's, he's reconnected or added to the connection with the community, with the East Coast thing, because there's boys that travel three hours each way just to go to training, and, the, and they willingly do it. And an und- another interesting thing you may not know, their semi-final, they, uh, I think it was against Horofunua Kapiti, the night before the game, they slept in tents before their game. No hotel, Whoa. they slept in tents. Whoa. Yeah. Well, and look, going back to that other point where you said blokes have to travel for you know up to three hours, that just shows the bond and the culture. Like people, I love it when, when, when particularly when the media jump in and go, "Oh, their culture is awful." Like, what do you, what do you like? What's your explanation of culture? Mm. Like, like that, that I, I hate reading those sort of things or hearing those sort of things because culture is 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 built on the back of that commitment and that camaraderie and um, and the cause of of what you're doing and your teammate. Like you, you get to a point like where you die for your teammate and and that sort of commitment of traveling is the same representation of dying for your mate because you're putting in that effort and oh man kudos to um jose man yeah he was always a fit he was he always looked sharp man his body was outrageous so mm. yeah sort of was like looking in a mirror but, uh, <laughs> one no? of those concave ones yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, bro. Bro. um someone's asked if you have managed to watch any of the women's rugby league uh sorry the women's rugby world cup that's going on in new zealand over here at the moment oh yeah of course yeah no i picked up a couple of games of the wallaroos um 
massive, massive improvement by the Wallaroos, but obviously coming up against, you know, the red-hot favourites in terms of uh, England. I still think it's the uh, – I think I still think it's the New Zealand um, side's tournament to lose. Um, would love to see more tickets sold for the double header tomorrow, but, um, you know, hopefully there's a, there's a big walk-up crowd. But, um, look, what, what, what a fantastic tournament. And it just shows – that if we look, if you look at um, the men's rugby world cup, like back in 87, you know, sort of 91 in those earlier periods and just dramatic change in the the game itself in terms of, you know, attacking and, and, you know, players are bigger, faster, fitter, you know, what, what we can see now in the future and say like in three world cups time, like that, the product is just going to be extraordinary. So, you know, we, we, we have to continue to, to support women's rugby, um, but continue to support women's sport um, because they've come from an amateur background. Like well, I've seen it in the cricket. I've seen it in the NRLW over here in Australia. Um, the games are just, they're fantastic absolute amazing product um all all they need is an injection of money and again if we want to support women's sport watch it like watch it on pay tv everyone out there watch it because this is where the money comes from like it's not just about bums on seats it's about bums on couches and Mm. watching the sport so the ratings are high the product is high and the money is there to inject into the sport. That's it. And if you want to watch the uh, Women's Rugby World Cup, it's on Spark Sport. Only cost you $24, I think it is, for a whole month. And then you can opt out again. And the beauty yes. is, and this leads me nicely into the next question, JP, because Spark Sport also have the Rugby League World Cup. And I've had a whole heap of text messages from Rugby League people saying, we love it when the former Wallaby talks about Rugby League. So my second to last question for your segment on the show today is the Rugby League World Cup. Have you been enjoying that? Oh, my goodness. What a good... I said this, man, a couple of weeks ago. It's a good... Look... Same as the, the, the earlier stages, like, I mean, I played in a game against the Nibia where we won 153-0. Like, Japan, 147-0. Like, 20 years later, they're now, you know, in competing against the All Blacks, like, mm. taking them to the wire. Like, this is what happens when you're trying to develop the international game. But, oh, mate, the big, the big news over here, like, you know, it, of course, we got Lebanon in the quarterfinal, but it's really about that semifinal against the Kiwis. And don't the Kiwis look good, man? Joey Manu, I reckon. I, I reckon he's my lost last son. Like he looks so much, man. He actually oh, does Jason, look man. like you. I know, man. I, my wife says to me, "Is that is that your son?" <laughs> I love him as a player. He is so good, like so good. They've got amazing forward pack. Um, Big mobile forward pack. For us, I think, like with Australia, like it's really going to come down to combinations and decisions by Mel Meninga. Like the big talk was Daly Cherry Evans or Nathan Cleary. That should be a shut case, Nathan Cleary all day. But I think it's going to come down to the reserve bench because the game now is a 17-man game. And so when you go into the game, and I really like what Mel Meninga is thinking, is putting Ben Hunt on the bench because I think that hooker could see if your halfback goes down, and we've seen this in big games when Mitchell Moses actually got injured with Parramatta, he got knocked out. Um, 
they had young Arthur come on, but the whole game changed. Young Arthur did incredibly well, but the game changes. So if you've got the ability to cover your halves and hooker at the same time, because again, hooker is one of the most pivotal positions in terms of the spine when you look at nine, seven, six, and one. So I like that. I really like that choice of putting Ben Hunt. Unfortunately, greats like Daily Cherry Evans will probably miss out. But I think I think that the thing is, right, it's going to be selection for Mal Meninga because when you've got a plethora of choices, like this is the hard part too, right? Like they're all outstanding. Like every like Cam Murray to Isaiah Yo. Like there's there's not, the only guy that's got a secure spot is is, is Teddy Tedesco. So James Tedesco. So look, I. I Mate, I can't wait for that semi-final. Like that is just going to be a bumper. And Michael Checker, the coach <laughs> yeah. of Lebanon, check. I sent him a message actually before he went. Said, "Mate, good luck, man. You're going to kill this. Like, what a bold move. And I think he's done a great job. Like, I think he's done an awesome job with Lebanon. And um, yeah, man, I think it's been a, a wonderful. And the and the women's rugby league kicked off as well. So World Cup as well. And Australia looking magnificent for that as well. Yeah. Last question. You know, we've done uh, these playoff brackets for uh, the big Bicky Bonanza, the good golly Miss Molly Jolly Lolly off finding our favourite biscuits and lollies. We are now doing the Wee Topper TV character jamboree. Uh, we hit the final today, so you can have a vote. You're allowed to have a vote. The two finalists okay. for the best TV character of all time, as voted for by our listeners, the two finalists are Mr. Bean and Basil Fawlty. Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> I know nothing. I know nothing. Kay. Mate, you got to go Basil, right? Kay. Like Basil, <laughs> what a great show. Eh. <laughs> yeah. What a show, man. And look, actually, when you, when, like, all the different, like, sexual innuendos and, the, like, the, unfortunately, the, the bad sort of racial comments as well, stereotypes and all that sort of stuff back in the 70s was out, right? None of that stuff could be played now. No, like, I know. Someone. Um, so when you actually look at these sort of shows, like, like you sort of think, holy how how far have we come? Like there's a there's an old classic show here in Australia called Kingswood Country. Oh my god! Like back in the seventies, <laughs> some of the stuff that they were saying like was just outrageous. Like, but yeah, no, you can't go you can't go past Basil. Like, Basil. Oh my god, what a show! What an absolute show! Awesome, awesome, mate. Um, we've gone way over time, but that's all been good. Yep. Uh, great to have you on today, buddy. Uh, two more test matches: uh, the Aussies, uh, the Wallabies, and the All Blacks would have played another cup when we talk again next Friday. Can't wait. Enjoy it. Thanks for coming on, champion. Cheers, bro. See ya. Jeremy Paul, Jeremy Paul Show. If you want to play the vault, how much are we up to? $150 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. You get three questions today. It really, really helps if you've been listening the last couple, um, but we can give you a little bit of a hand. 0800-150-811. dollar TAB bonus bet up for grabs. Three questions, one answer. Can you crack the vault? Yes, and $150 TAB bonus bet up for grabs today because we're into day three. Day one, we had seven questions from Jordan. Day two, we had five questions from Graham. And day three, we're going to have three questions from Mike. G'day, Mike. Yeah, g'day, mate. Now, what you're allowed to do, you're allowed to ask me, um, I can give you two of the questions and answers from day one, uh, numbered one through seven, and I'll give you those questions and answers. You can ask for one from game two, 
and then you can have three yes no questions yourself and then have a guess at what it is if you get it right $150 TAB bonus bet so what two would you like from day one what question numbers uh, I, I, I heard them, Stephen. Oh, you, oh you, you're into it. Okay, let's just yeah, rip into it then, mate. Questions <laughs> one, two, and three, and a guess. Away you go. Mate, is it Winter Olympics? Is it Winter Olympics? Now, of course, I don't know what it is, but Sammy has told Robinho. Robbie, is it Winter Olympics? Mike, it is Winter Olympics. Oh, it <laughs> is Winter Olympics. Wow. Mate, mate. Steffi, can I make a guess right now? Look, you can if you like. Yeah, no, I'll go for it, mate. Uh, Stephen Bradbury, uh, Salt Lake, 2002, men, 1,000-metre speed skating. Wow. Remember he won the gold medal and everyone else fell over? I do remember that. So t- there you go. He's, <laughs> he's gone straight from one question to a guess. Has it's Mike. Bold. It's bold. So put that combination into the vault, Robbie. But the Chinese skater on the outside. Oh, and it's a lot of contact. There it is. Hold down. Bradbury is going to come through and win gold. Stephen Bradbury from the tail of the field. The Australian has Woo-hoo. crossed the line first. <laughs> Mikey, Mikey. Please. Look at you knew, Funny it. Enough, mate. you knew as soon yeah, well, as you I, rung up. Yeah, no, I did a bit of research, mate, to be honest. Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of that podcast. You can you can listen back and listen to the question. Oh, there you go, making use of the podcast. That's what we like. Mike, yeah. $150 TAB bonus bet coming your way, buddy. You stay on the line. Congratulations. Kez, uh, thanks, mate. Good on you. Captain K will take all of your details. There it is. So there's Mike. Um that's how you do it. Uh, we'll put him back to Captain K. He can take his details. Fantastic effort. Fantastic effort. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yes, the voting. Uh, Captain K, before he sorted out the phone calls for that, he said it's still nothing in it between Mr Bean and Basil Fawlty. He's even made a big call. There's only half an hour to go. He said he predicts two more lead changes before 3.30 when we make the announcement, and he's also he's staking everything that it's going to be the closest grand final we've had in any bracket that we've ever run. So Mr Bean certainly has their fans. Basil Fawlty has their fans, has his fans. So make sure you text on the Temper Bed Post text machine. That is double eight double three to get your votes in and we will be announcing the winner in about 40 minutes time. It is very, very exciting. You're listening to SCNZ. This is Afternoons with Staffy brought to you in association with the good crew at Gull. Remember to register on gull.nz. They have great savings and they fuel your mission all year round. Back after a short break. Welcome back in. Welcome back in. Uh, We have a bevy of live sport for you this weekend, uh, do remember that uh, T20 cricket, Ireland versus New Zealanders this afternoon into the early hours of that evening, but we have got you covered as soon as this show finishes at four. We'll be chucking it straight over to one of the great commentary duos. They just get better every time they go together. Daniel McCarty, the snake, and Grant Elliott, the hairy jav. This is live for you from four o'clock. Bang on, and we will have ball by ball for you. And then... 
after we've beaten Ireland, don't go anywhere because we've got Afghanistan taking on the Australians. This is all T20 World Cup. And then tomorrow at 8.30, Sri Lanka versus England. So three real key matches, real key matches, all in the same group. Ireland, New Zealand uh, from four, build up from four. Then we have Afghanistan and Aussie. And then tomorrow night, Sri Lanka, England. And at the end of that, we will know whether we have gone through. And for Round Ball Code fans, the wonderful crew, the Wellington Phoenix are at home. Hallelujah. 4.30 on Sunday. And uh, Daniel McCarty will once again dust himself off and bring all of his pomp and ceremony, enthusiasm that he has for everything sport. Uh, Dan McCarty will bring you the Phoenix against MacArthur as well. So that's 4.30. So cricket from four today. Uh, We'll have that match and then Afghanistan and Aussie. And then tomorrow, 8.30, Sri Lanka, England. Sunday, 4.30, we do have the Phoenix for you as well. Uh, Phil's having a real dilemma who to vote for in the GWE Top of TV character Jamboree because he said the biggest problem is that they're both wonderful characters from amazing, talented actors. I really can't separate them. No vote. <laughs> so Phil's, Phil's happy either way. Uh, we're talking about sports that uh, go a little bit unnoticed, and we went back to our schoolyard, uh, our school day games, didn't we? And Dave, Staffy, marbles. You had glassies, mollies, peewees, snakies, steelies, and they all had a value. Marbles. My grandma taught me how to play marbles. Uh, and, of course, you can't forget the gumboot throwing and tie up there. Oh, magnificent. Gumboot throwing and tie happy. Um, uh, and Ed said, my brother played that game where you throw a knife between your feet. It's pretty out there, Stabby. Ed, yes. Uh, and there was that one where you used to do a pocket knife or something between your fingers as it was spread out on the table. Madness as kids, weren't we? Madness. Ken has said, Staff, I'm going to donate every day for a month to the great Mike King. Three bucks a day. Forgo your coffee. Or have one every second day. And give Gumboot Friday a three-bucker, a three-bucker. Text 469. Text the word BOOTS to 469 and $3 will go to the great charity. He needs that funding. Today's the big, big day. Here's the news. An hour to the build-up to the live cricket, the T20 World Cup, New Zealand Black Caps against Ireland. Daniel McCarty, Grant Elliott, bringing you all the juicy full tosses, the sixes. It's out of here! Dan McCarty does it so much better than me. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this match. It's going to be off the hook. And then the Aussie game straight after that. So good. So good. Um, bit of text message, admin. Uh... Staff, I can't call. It's too windy down here today. Uh, this is Graham. 
Graham from Marlborough, formerly in Northland. Um, I have a couple of questions for you and the listeners. I've got the sneeze brewing. If I go quiet for a couple of seconds because I've had to turn my mic off to sneeze. Holding it at bay by pitching the nose. Right, are the Sky commentators in the UK for the test? I think, yes. I think Grant Nisbet will be up there. Um, and I would imagine Justin Marshall and potentially Jeff Wilson. I would imagine that'll be our commentary team up there. If Geordie was playing fullback, would Bowden even make the bench? I would say yes, because he'd be the first five cover and um, and Geordie would be the 12 cover. So I would say Bowden Barrett's always going to be in the 23. Be very surprised, any selection, Bowden Barrett not being in the 23. And if the Black Ferns lose... Does the coach or the players get crucified or do we give credit to France? And if the All Blacks lose, will we even be talking about the Black Ferns? <laughs> wow, wow. You've put a whole lot on the spinning wheel there, Graham. But Graham does say, have a great weekend, everyone. Cheers, Graham. One of our great listeners, texters, callers is Graham. Ah, oh, geez, there's so many what-ifs this weekend. Like, the perfect weekend... The absolute perfect weekend is we beat Ireland tonight in the T20 World Cup and we're through to the semis. Uh, the All Blacks win against Scotland. The Black Ferns win their semi-final and they go through. I don't think we're under threat this weekend for the uh, Kiwi League side and the Kiwi Ferns, they win their team. There's the perfect weekend. The disastrous weekend is Ireland somehow find a way to beat the Black Caps or there's rain and we get one point and then Aussie and England both win their games and we don't make the semis. The the All Blacks the All Blacks lose. That could happen. Could that happen? That could happen. On the year that they've had that could happen. I don't want it to happen, but it could happen. France could beat the Black Ferns in the Rugby World Cup. I think that's a very real chance of happening. Again, don't want it to happen. France pushed England hard, and England are good. So that could happen, definitely could happen. Um, and then I still think the Kiwi, well, Kiwi League team could lose and the Kiwi fans could lose, but I can't see those things happening. Um, we are, no one knows what we're going to be talking about on Monday, but someone did text through earlier saying, imagining if all the New Zealand teams lose this weekend, midday madness will be Monday madness. It'll just be all day. <coughs> Goodness me. Goodness me. Um, text from Leanne says, I love listening to JP on Friday afternoons. Transfer the phones to someone else so I don't miss it. Brightens up my afternoon. Leanne, I'm going to take a photo of that. Here we go. I'm going to do that right now because he's always he's always available for me. So I'm going to be a person of my word just opening up the phone on my camera, which here it is. A phone, a camera on my phone. Camera on my phone. And bring my so I'm going to text it to him right now, okay? And uh, I bet you, I bet you he has a message for you when he opens that. So just uh, bear with me because JP just loves it, loves coming on here. So, right, that is sent. That is sent, Leanne, and I'll let you know what he says. So, stay listening. Um, I told you about Ken, who's going to donate to Mike King every day. Someone mentioned Kabadi. I loved being up late and stumbling across the sport. I feel if funded, New Zealand would dominate. Mark, Kabadi, I've watched it a lot. I don't 100% understand it yet when they go to that line and duck back and go to that line and duck back, but I want to learn it because it looks fascinating. Big, big sport in India. Anyway, uh, oh, winning the fast five. 
Winning the Fast Five, bang on. Um, broadcast rights for the Fast Five is Sky. Kez is going to find out. Don't find out now, Kez, because you've got a very important role in Sammy's absence. Play the music. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Just before you start, I've already had a reply from Jeremy Paul. Jesus, quick. Yep, so Leanne uh, sent in a text to the show saying, I love listening to JP on a Friday afternoon. I transfer the phones to someone else so I don't miss it. It brightens up my afternoon. Leanne Palms North. Leanne, he's text back and said, that just made my day. Love heart. There you are. Made his day and he made yours. We're all about the love here in the afternoons. Kids, what's making news? Seth, what I've done today. Mm. Sitting in Sammy Hewitt's chair. Uh, I'm really scared sitting here in Sammy Hewitt's chair because I know his ears are glued you to know his radio you know he's uh, right now. So what I've done So is Sammy, Sammy, just text me, Sam, not the, not the group. Just text me how you think Kez goes with his What's Making News, and I'll read that out. So what I've done here, it's a bit of a best of, mm-hmm. right? So I've had a look and had a listen over the past What's Making News, found out what stories Sammy really likes to go with, and just before, no, Elon Musk was an exception. There is no <laughs> Elon Musk story in here. But, Steph, I thought I'd kick it off with one that just happened this morning, which I just found uh, amazing. It's a stroke of luck. So a woman in Delaware, she won $300,000 from a lottery ticket, right? Got with you so That's far. That's a win is enough, right? She went and collected the ticket, got the 300k, uh, I think it was deposited to her account, on mm-hmm. the way home. She's full of joy, so she said, uh, you know what, I'm just going to go home and just get another scratchy on the way home. Because why not? Just a little scratchy card. Stop it. So you know the ones that you get yes, with a coin instead of a ticket it. to scan? Just a cheeky another $100,000 collect on the way home from collecting your $300,000. Oh. You're joking. That is some of the luck you just, you never hear about, isn't it? No, I know. A Delaware woman. I feel like I've heard a Delaware woman so many times, and it's always something to do with winning truckloads of money. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Moving on from Lotto. Mm. Mysterious lights in the sky. I know Sammy loves space, so I'm throwing this one in here. It's a bit of a UFO. I'm pretty sure he just leaned forward then. I think I just heard him lean forward because he's a space story. Was that your sixth sense? Yeah. Feeling him. Yeah. Feeling him move forward. Well, uh, the people of California were very, very scared uh, over Halloween because there was a mysterious purple light in the sky. Right, and so many, many social media users uh, were tagging uh, NASA and, and the U.S. government even in this post of what seemed to be a purple UFO mm-hmm. just floating up in the sky. Now I know what you're thinking. It was Halloween. Must have been a prank of some sort, wasn't it? No, it's not. The Sacramento Kings, the NBA basketball team, have had to come out and apologise for causing a raucous. <laughs> they defeated the Charlotte Hornets on the night of Halloween. And uh, as a representation of their their glory and their victory, they shot a purple beam up into the sky, <laughs> which has gone viral for the complete wrong reasons. So uh, the Kings put out a statement apologising for the ruckus in California. Uh, Chris so, Weaver used to play for the Kings, didn't he? He did, indeed. And Jason Williams, mm. one of my favourite point guards of all time. White chocolate. White chocolate. That was his nickname, genuinely. He was a stunner. He's how I learnt to do an elbow pass. I'll okay. show you a video of an elbow pass after this. Go look it up. Jason Williams' elbow pass. Okay. Steph, I don't know what to call this one. All right, so there's uh, two towns, Cornish towns uh, and villages. They did a little uh, competition. 
to see which town had the best name. Yep. It was by B B and Q, which I'm guessing is like a, a... Well, no, I was going to compare it to a Mitre 10 because it's like a home store uh, in the UK. does a lot of furniture. Mitre 10 does not do furniture. Uh, but it's a, it's a furnishing store over in the UK. Turns out well, the competition was to win a toilet named after your town. <laughs> so a town, Bodmin Close. Now, the, now you can go on to BNQ and buy a Bodmin Close coupled toilet seat with a standard close seat. So they've just named a toilet after the town. Yeah. So, yeah, now the town has been uh, described as shite because of that one oh, toilet yes. thing. That's terrible. Yeah. That is terrible. But the good news is you can also uh, pick up a Bodman Phil pedestal basin for only 130 quid, which, to be fair, is actually a stutter of a deal. That's not a bad deal. So, yeah, there we go. Steph, do you want a fact? Uh, <laughs> you've done that Sam Hewitt style's perfect. You want a fact, don't you? Go How on. about three? Okay. Number one, the word race car. You know it? Yes. It's spelt the same forwards and backwards. Bet you know. Bet you didn't know that one, mate. Hang on, Steph. Yeah, go on, Steph. Thank you very much. <laughs> Give that one to myself. Is that JP laughing? No, that's uh, that's the other JT. Jo- oh. Jonathan Thurston. Love it. Love it. Oh, yeah, it is too, actually. Mm. You know how we always say time is going too slow or it's going too fast? Time goes fast when you're having fun, doesn't it? Well, the Earth's speed, right? It's actually changing. We have how many hours are in a day? 24. In 175 million years, days will be 25 hours. So it's a wee while away, but uh, because of the orbit and the sun, it is not a fixed rate, the time it moves. So it's actually slowing over time. The length of a day will become 25 hours in about 175 million years. So I don't think we'll get to see it. So that's that's great news because if I'm ever late from now on, mm-hmm. blame the sun. Exactly. Well, time is technically I'm not late. Down. The sun's slow. Now, I know I, I have heard this one once, but I'm not sure to what extent. A strawberry isn't actually a berry, right? We yeah, know that one. We know that We've one. figured that out. Seeds are on the outside. But did you know that a watermelon is? No. Yeah. The scientific definition of a berry is a plant that has three distinct layers, an outer skin, a fleshy middle, and here's the key, internally contained seeds. It's a watermelon. So when you cut open a watermelon and you see the seeds, you're actually cutting into a nice little berry. Big berry. Fun fact. Yeah, big berry. Bananas, grapes, and eggplants are all technically berries. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what you get if you throw a watermelon? No, I'm waiting for the Rory-esque joke here. Chuck Berry. <laughs> I'm not playing you the bottom for that one. Only I deserved that one today. Did you like that, Rory? Yeah, Rory loved it. Last, last one. There are three trillion trees on Earth, but only 300 to 400 billion stars in the Milky Way. So there are more trees on Earth than there are stars in the Milky Way. Are there more grains of sand... On Earth or oh, stars in the galaxy? No, 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 no. I would say I'll genuinely say grains of sand. No. No way. But no. there's more trees then. Yeah, that's Milky Way, not the galaxy. That's just Milky Way. Yeah, you're right. All that's right, I'll Milky do way. some more study. Do some more studying. Interesting fact for you from Chris. How many ways 
to shuffle a deck of card. Oh, interesting fact for you. Google how many ways to shuffle a deck of cards. Okay, I'm going to do that. But in the meantime, we have a break. And on the other side, the man who's been joining us for the last five or six weeks, Darren Williams from Addington, gearing up for a big old cup week next week. Now, he's a good tipster. He gave us rock and roll do when it was paying $21. It's now second favourite at about fives. Listen, I'm going to ask him for tips quietly. He's really, really good. Darren Williams. He's from Addington, and he's next. We're going down to Addington now. Actually, we're going down on Tuesday. Well, not me personally, but a few of us from here are going down to Addington next Tuesday. And, uh, Darren, we started talking to you five or six weeks ago. It's all about to get real, my friend. Um, Horses are in form. You've got a great field lined up. There's depth in the field. Not just one or two horses that can win it. You must be delighted with how it's all come together. Steph, I can't remember a New Zealand Cup with so many storylines going into it, even as dramatic as it was with the fire the other day at at, uh, Pegasus and Woodham Beach and and most of the stables having to be evacuated there just to add to the drama. But uh, I don't know where to start. Akuta is a three-year-old starting in the Cup. A couple of Australian horses with completely dramatically different form lines. Carter Dalgetty, the youngest driver ever to drive in the Cup at 19, has to sit a university exam in the morning before (laughs) he comes to the races. Um, The Telfer team with two dominant horses in the race, both went up one after another to the barrier draw and drew out barriers 15 and 16. Uh, It just goes on. There are so many storylines to it. And the depth right back to the 15th course is quite incredible. I can't remember a cup where you looked at the second or third outsider of the field and went, well, it could actually win it, um, as opposed to just hoping that it might hang on to a placing. So really, really exciting from that perspective. The rest of the fields are outstanding, so much so that we're running 13 races, probably could have run 15. Um, It's a long day anyway, but, um, you know, a lot happening and pretty much ticket sales. We're right down to just GA left now. Everything else is sold out, so... Everything going in the right direction and, you know, just absolutely wrapped. Just want to get rid of this wind around Canterbury at the moment, which isn't ideal for putting up marquees, but <laughs> we're getting there. Hey, uh, I was just wondering if, and I might be testing your memory banks, but uh, the top two favourites are drawn pretty much the outside of the front line and buried on the second line. Both of them are going to have to have a little bit of luck. Yeah, look, it's a standing start, so barrier draws definitely are important, but perhaps not as important as a mobile gate where they've drawn the outside of the gate or something like that. Depends on how they step and how they behave. Cup trial on um, on Wednesday, Rock and Roll Do was perfect after having a bit of a bobble first up at Ashburton. Uh, the new kid on the block, Old Town Road, veteran of only 10 or so starts, which is another storyline in itself. He was excellent. He stepped really well. And Krug, a really, really good horse, completely bombed it and made a complete mess of it. So (laughs) it's just a set of circumstances that you just honestly, someone's asked me about three times, who do I like? And I just can't pick one. Mm. I'd probably favour Rock and Roll do, but I wouldn't be surprised if any of the horses won it. Smithy's Terror won the Methvin Cup, a really enthusiastic young group of owners. 
Uh, they were in spectators just recently when we were parading the cup in there, and they all got their photos taken with the cup on the basis that they perhaps might not win it. <laughs> but since then, I know that the family have organised caps with the horse's name on it and all sorts of things like that that are happening. So just it's exciting. People are excited about it, and probably the fact that it's such an even field. And for once um, in the last decade, I suppose, we haven't had a Purden Cullen horse's red-hot favourite. Mm. And that doesn't mean that they're not a chance. Self-assured, of course, is a previous cup winner, going really well in the right direction. Spankham, even though he's a bit of an old boy now, has been excellent his last couple and, and really good working here on a Wednesday morning where Purden's had about 20-odd horses in a private workout. Um, so, yeah, the storylines throughout the whole thing are just quite incredible. You know, we like... It's still it's still relevant to this chat, but the Purden Carlin Barn is is so so good, and um, both Natalie and Mark Purden both drive. Who gets first dibs? Because I always think, oh, who's the, who's the senior driver got from from that stable? And do they just mix it up, or do they have their favourites? Can, can we get a line on which one of their which one of their stable is the better one by who's in the cart, or is it doesn't make any difference? I reckon, mate, it would be really dangerous for me to say who will be in charge there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but look, they, they both they both sort of have horses that they stick with as they come through their preps generally. Mm. Uh, every now and then they change depending on, um, again, circumstances and which horses they've got in the race. Um, both outstanding horse people, as we know, and exceptional drivers. Natalie's an exceptional driver in, in group races. Uh, not like downcrying anything that Mark does, but she's an exceptional driver in her own right, and they really get themselves into the zone. I guess, to be fair, their team's been a little bit behind the eight ball um, from the high standards that they would normally expect from their horses, which is why they chose to bring them into a private workout and work them as they saw fit, as opposed to trialling them on Wednesday morning. Uh, they were here at the crack of dawn, and um, you know, many clubs around the country would be happy to have that many horses at the trials, and that was just one barn. There was truckload after truckload coming mm. in here. So um, they were very happy with their work at the end of the day, and a number of them really worked worked well. Um, and I think they're, they're probably heading in the right direction. So the one, the one, other one better than that team to, to target feature races and know how to get them ready on the day. You, you touched on it before. Before we leave the New Zealand Cup, the three-year-old Akuta. I mean, it's rare to have a three-year-old in the New Zealand, New Zealand Cup, uh, let alone, what is it, about the third line of betting, third favourite, a three-year-old. I see it's still um, a nominated for the derby. Um, and Mark Purden is driving this one out of that very fabulous barn as well. Uh, looked like it went off a little bit, but came back into form. What a story if Akuta to, was to win the Cup. Yeah, look, he's technically three by the way the, the change of calendars. Mm. Um, gone. He would have been exactly the same age as the number of four-year-olds that have won the race, but he will be. He'll go down in history to be the first three-year-old to win it if he does win it. Um, he's been all over the place. You could have got twenty-one dollars for him. He was into favourite. <laughs> he was out to seventeen. He drifted out to twenty again. He come back into fourteen as they worked through whether they were going to start him or not. And it wasn't really until he went to Kaikoura um, and did a lot of work in the run, sitting parked and and. Um, pretty aggressive drive uh, by, by uh, David Butcher on Kango to beat him, uh, but Mark was very pleased with him. So terrific for Ian Dobson, as we said. His health's mm. a bit indifferent at the moment, and he's got, of course, Akuta Muscle Mountain in the Dominion on show day, plus his very good two-year-old Don't Looking Back in the size stakes final. So 
they're going to have a ball and Mark Purdom would not be starting that horse given there's a derby coming if he didn't think he was capable of competing to the standards that he sets. Do you think he'll still line up in the derby or that decision will be made after the cup? I guess so. I, I, I'm quite certain he'd be, he'd be lining up in the derby unless anything goes wrong, yeah. The supporting races on the day, I know we've um, concentrated on the cup, but it is a wonderful card. Give us another race to have a look at. Well, look, we've got the Woodland Size Stakes final, the two-year-old race. It's going to be an extremely competitive race, plus the Neverly R final, so they're all Group 1 races. I think the Neverly R final, I really liked uh, the Purden horse, um, which has drawn one the second line. I'm just trying to remember its name off the top of my head. Queen of Diamonds? Um, Queen of Diamonds, that's it. Uh, really good at Ash Burton, but she's unfortunately popped a bad draw, but she's a very strong uh, filly. Um, I really like her. TAB.co.nz, um, all of the markets are already open to every race. So getting in and having a look at the what, what shortens at the moment, and obviously there's that guarantee of your fixed odds price and no deductions, so having a look at that. Did look at a couple that I thought might be a bit of a chance, particularly in the last race. I quite like Jimmy Armour. Uh, he doesn't win out a turn, but he has been racing well. He runs fourth at Kaikoura. He didn't handle the track at all. And John Dunn reported to the stewards that the hobble shortness stayed in for the entire race. So he paced the, race, the entire race with the shortness in because his gate was a bit indifferent on the track and he still ran fourth. So he could be one that causes a bit of an upset. I think he opened at 14 and 4. Nice. I've just had a look at that and you're bang on. It's 14 and 4.20. Beautiful. That's yeah. one for us. Uh, that's one for us, champion. Thank you for pointing me in that direction. Hey, listen, Darren. I've Mate, re- there's always some upsets on the day. There's always yes. something that causes a blowout. There is too. There is too. And everyone trying to get on and get out, uh, make a little bit of profit on the day. We might have stayed. You only need a place bet too at four dollars. Uh, we've got to scoot off, uh, Darren. Really appreciate your time and the build up to this. Uh, we'll probably touch base next week as well, buddy. Uh, thanks for steering Beautiful. us in, and thanks for uh, giving us rock and roll do when it was at twenty one. So uh, me and the producers. You guys are love that. He's, uh, he's, he's equal favourite and you're going to love that if he gets home. You know we are. You know, we might even send down some uh, Copeland's pies or something to you as a thank you. <laughs> All good, mate. Cheers. I'll talk to you next week. Cheers, buddy. Bye-bye. Righto, it is results time. Oh, this has been, I was going to say tortuous, but man, it's been enjoyable. Man, it's been enjoyable. We started the tournament with nominations from you for your favourite TV character of all time. The character, not the actor, not the TV series, the actual character and the nominations poured in. After the initial pain of some not making the 32, we settled on the 32. We split them into the east and west. We went down to 16, the sweet 16. We went to the elite eight. And then we hit the fulsome four, the semi-finals, and today the grand final. This is the grand final result section of the GWE Top of TV character, Jamboree. The voting has been strong, long, and vociferous. Vociferous. Captain K has been our roving reporter constantly, and uh, the full-time siren has just sounded. 
the auditorium erupted, but I have no idea who won. Captain K, far away, go. Look, Steph, I've just, I've quietly just had to dip outside for a second. There's no crowd noise here just because I I just figured that it would be best to do this outside the arena. Much more professional. Um, I'm, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm actually fighting back the tears. Uh, it's it's always an emotional time watching a championship celebration. Um, and this is one that is going to go down in history. I mean, we've seen it over the last, like you said, the golly wally jolly lolly off the big Bicky Bonanza. But Steph, I'll tell you what, I've, I've never seen anything like this. Both teams, Mr. Bean and Basil Fawlty, two and three. You know, they've they've had such an emotional journey. And I was speaking to the head coach of Mr. Bean just quietly, just before I announced the the winner today, Steph. And all I can say is congratulations to, to every team who has partaken in this spectacular event. It's just, this has been seriously a, a madness for the ages, Steffi. I can wait no longer. Steph... I was lucky enough to uh, get an exclusive interview with the winner straight after the game. So, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the winner of the GWI Top of TV character Jamboree 2022 is... Don't mention the war. I mentioned it once, but I think I got away with it all right. So, <laughs> it's all forgotten now, and let's hear no more about it. So that's two egg mayonnaise, a prawn gerbils, a Herman Goring, and four colded salads. Oh, wait a minute, I got a bit confused here. Sorry, I got a bit confused because everyone keeps mentioning the war. So could you... What's the matter? It's all right. Is there something wrong? Will you stop talking about the war? Me? You started it? We did not start it. Yes, you did. You invaded Poland. <laughs> Oh, Basil Fawlty wins the incredible, the inaugural Wee Top of TV character Jamboree. He moved away in the uh, in the last quarter, actually. It wasn't comfortable, certainly wasn't comfortable. I think you said to me, Kez, about 57% played 43. Was that how it sort of finished? That's how the final score uh, portrayed on the scoreboard as I left the arena to come and do this cross that, Steph, I, I've, I've just ordered a pack of tissues as well. You know, it's just, it's such an emotional time here on the show. It's been such an amazing journey. I just want to thank you and Sammy for forking out all that money to send me to every single game so far. And and I I mean, I just can't wait to see what's next. And I'm going to do my level best over the weekend to try and get something, someone, somehow, somewhere that is involved with Faulty Towers and Basil Faulty. Um, I did have the original screenplay writer lined up from Sopranos. But they didn't win. I thought they were going to win, but they didn't. So let me spend a weekend trying to get someone on, and that would be uh, just icing on the cake. Thank you all so much for taking part in this amazing bracket. We are going to do one more bracket before Christmas. There's quite a bit of debate about what it should be. I'm quite strong on one of them. Sammy Hewitt's quite strong on one of them. We might have to give the casting vote to Captain K. And maybe even Robinho can come in with just a little uppercut of... uh, his personal favourite. The vault was Bradbury. Scott Logan, yes. Um, Someone missed the vault, but it was Stephen Bradbury. That brings us to the conclusion. Magnificent, magnificent voting numbers like never seen before. And if I get my way, the next bracket that will run towards the end of November will start that. Maybe early December will make your eyes water. I think we'll break all records again. We're going to have a break. We're going to head across the ditch and talk to Kingo, also known as Julian King, out of SEN 
in Australia. We're going Aussie side after this. About to go to Julian King, Kingo, over in Australia. Just waiting for the dog. There he is. Man. Hey, brother. Listen. Hey, brother. You're looking well. Hey, listen, before we talk uh, dirty talk when it comes to World Cups and the like, uh, Coach K, our illustrious producer here on the afternoon show, said, big NBA fan, wanted to base his game on Dirk Nowitzki. Okay, that's fair enough. And I jokingly said I wanted to base my game on Dirk Diggler, and he had no idea what I was talking about. Can we please educate him? And I said Staffy would know. Staffy's more my vintage, okay? I've got a good, I've got a good ten years on you, Kean. But uh, yes. Yeah, so anyway, uh, our our very learned listeners have been texting in just to clarify that for Coach K. So, I want to see. You've got Coach K. I've got Captain K. I wonder if he knows who Dirk Diggler is. I, I'm not sure. If Captain he... K. Captain Who's K. Dirk D- yes. Come on here, Captain K. Oh, not a clue. Sorry, team. I'm a O2 baby. I've got no clue, mate. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, this is the thing. I mean, my mother said you should learn something new every day. So to Coach K and to Captain K, Dirk Diggler. Just just Google it. We, we, won't, we won't elaborate on here, but just keep... Hey, uh, 3 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. So what, five, is it 5 o'clock over there? Um, yes, Ireland, New Zealand, Adelaide Oval. Now, you'd think that your mob is through, Staffy. Mind you, you could lose to Ireland, Australia and England could win, and New Zealand could magically find themselves out of the tournament. Not that we want to entertain that, of course. Exactly right. Like, and I'm, I said yesterday on air that I'm 90% sure we will win and we will beat Ireland, but it is the sort of game that we lose one out of ten times, mm. which means we win at nine out of tens, but just imagine if tonight is the one. <laughs> oh. Well, England would have banked on beating them, albeit a rain-delayed game, but... Goodness me! You know anything can happen, and it's a glorious uncertainty of of T Twenty cricket. Mm. I've got a um, I've got a question that's coming from a texter to ask you from mm. Brendan. It says, "Staffy, a question for Kingo over yeah. the ditch. I'd love to know the answer to. When all televised cricket games are on, what's with that noise that comes across the ground speakers like a woo? <laughs> what's that? I, can't, I hate it. It's like the trumpet." <laughs> Oh, and everyone goes, Ollie. I Look, it's just part of the theatre of T20 cricket, is it not? Yeah, I, I really, yeah, a, really noticed it last night. Is it a, yeah. is it an Aboriginal call and then an Aboriginal return call, or is it just a not that I'm aware stadium of, no. noise? It's a stadium noise, uh, to the best of my knowledge. Um, I probably haven't cleared that up much. You know, <laughs> I, I had a caller before. He said, you know, Australia lost this in game one against New Zealand, said that they were three for not many, chasing 200. Instead of going for the win, they should have just shored up, tried to you know, cautiously accumulate as many runs, in, in which case get more than 111, and maybe their net run rate would have improved. And I thought, you can't go into a match with that mentality. Mm. I mean, Finn Allen, Devon Conway threw the bat. It came off. It didn't come off against England, but you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Yeah, and I... <laughs> I can't believe how many games of cricket have been affected by rain in Australia. Yeah. Like, I, I, my heart goes out to the Aussies that have just been smashed by the rain, which is horrible and really affected them much more than games of cricket. But you, there's been so many abandoned games and so many one points from the T20. And if they had known that there was going to be all of these no results, maybe a little bit more attention would have been paid to the. Um, to the run rate because we are standing fantastic when it comes to run rate, but we still got to win. Glenn Phillips, he's been good, hasn't he? So <laughs> good. I mean, that hundred was magical. But then against a world class attack in England, uh, they look good. Sixty two off thirty six. I thought it was good captaincy. Actually, I, I got to commend Joss Butler when he brought Mark Wood back on when Jimmy Neesham came on, and the pace just got to him because you know Neesham against the medium paces will feast every day of the week. 
But he got that crucial wicket, caught Sam Curran, and it just they didn't reel it back from there. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. If Jimmy Neesham comes off, it's good night to just about any team. There's been a bit of criticism, or a bit of not criticism. Let me rephrase that. There's been a bit of an observation about the slow run rate of Kane Williamson. Uh, Captain yeah, Kane, run a ball. Yeah. But um, someone did some analysis last night. I thought it was brilliant in that uh, the final 17 balls of his innings, um, there was only one dot and because he was feeding the strike to Phillips. And yep. they said at the 10 over mark, it was they were pretty much exactly the same as where the Black Caps were at the 10 over mark in the semi-final against England in the last T20 World Cup. But Nisham and Mitchell came off that time. They didn't this time. It's a lottery, isn't it? Hey, yep. what about this talk of a, a, reviving the Anzac 15 concept? <laughs> so mixing the Wallabies and the All Blacks for a potential clash against against the Lions. And I, I just got me thinking, I don't know what Australians would make. If it was fair dinkum chosen on merit, I don't know what Australians would make that 15. Off the top of my head, maybe Michael Hooper on the bench. Um, you know, Nick White potentially a backup half. You know, where does maybe James Slipper on the bench? But I... So a fit summer care of he's a good play, but I cannot think of many Aussies that would make that side. Michael Hooper, Adi yeah. Savia, Rob Valentini was my loose four trio when I talked yeah, about it yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd have Marika Korumbeti on a wing. I'd, I'd have Ikitao in the centre and I'd get Rico Ioane back out onto the wing. And I did have another one. Uh, I, I had five and the other one just escapes me. But I... I was very pro it. I just think it would be fantastic. Yes, it's hit and giggle. Yes, it's it's not a historical, uh, steeped in history type game. But man, it'd get some eyeballs. And you sell a few Anzac jerseys. A good yeah. friend of mine, primary school, had an Anzac jersey uh, back when the concept was still around. Yeah, we we even yeah. had some people float the idea of why don't we have we call ourselves the Anzacs or the or the Diggers or something like that. And in the and the Lions go in a four-year cycle, and the opposite four-year cycle, so every two years, we send the Anzacs to the Northern Hemisphere, just one, once every four years. The All Blacks and the Wallabies can go the other three, but that particular one, the Anzacs go up and play a grand slam. I think it would be fantastic. You are a thinker. New Zealand-Fiji quarterfinals, uh, that match Sunday morning. Obviously no um, Jared because of that suspension. It's a pretty good side... What's your margin here, Staffy? Should account for Fiji pretty comfortably, I'd imagine. Well, we should. They beat us 4-2 last time, which was one of the most (laughs) unmemorable games ever. Uh, Um, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, Fiji are going to have to be right on top of the game and the Kiwis not so much. The Kiwis haven't been 100% impressive yet. Uh, If they are, I think around about the, I don't know, four, five tries difference, something like that. Um, but the one we're all waiting for is Kiwis Kangaroo semi-final. That's going to be a barn burner. It is going to be. Now, mate, just before we say goodbye to each other, we were talking today about do you think sport can potentially be more enjoyable if you don't have a team to watch? Because you don't sort of ride the lows. You can just sit back and appreciate it for what it is. Because we've got a lot of people that follow American sports that say, you know mm. what, I love it. I don't go for a particular team. I don't mind this team, but I just enjoy the spectacle and enjoy the, the skill set. It's almost the purest form of sport as an entertainment model. Because I'm the same. Like NFL, Buffalo Bills are my team. But I'm happy to sit down and watch the Cowboys play the Packers yeah. as well. And I'm 95% as entertained as, as I am if the Bills have got a little bit of investment. I think you always have a team you slightly favour in those. But... Boy, we get so emotionally invested and nationalistic. I think we forget to enjoy the sport sometimes. Well said. Thank you, mate. Good luck this weekend. We'll speak soon. Cheers, Kingo. Julian King from across the ditch. We will... 
Brendan, he said thanks for the answer about the ooh over in Australia. He said it's right up there with Sweet Caroline. I'm with you, Brendan. Back in a mo. To the person that asked earlier, the Fast Five is on from 12 o'clock tomorrow on Skype. All day, day one, Fast Five. Tune in. Back on this day, November 4, 2007, the Minnesota running back Adrian Peterson rushed for 253 of his NFL single-game record of 296 in the second half when the Vikings beat the Chargers 35-17. In 2009, had Deki Matsui drove in six of the Yankees' seven runs. He had a two-home, uh, sorry, a two-run home run, a two-run single, and a two-run double. Marquee stuff by Hideki Matsui. Birthdays today, the great Rod Marsh would have been 74 today. Louis Figo is 50, the Portuguese footballer. Troy Flavel, one of the hard men of the All Blacks, 46 years old today. And a very sad day, Jerry Collins passed away at 34, but it is his birthday. Chavis, straight into Collins, how's that for a tackle? Take that. That was a tackle and a half at Bendy half. I can feel it in the commentary box. Knees, bodies, bones, the whole trip. Yes, we miss him every day, the great JC. Uh, on this day in 2012, the number one movie, what movie was a Disney animation movie I've never heard of, Wreck-It Ralph, and the number one song was Dis. Righto, there is no run home today, but the runs aren't drying up because Daniel Snake McCarty, Grant the Hairy Jav, Elliot are in position in the commentary box in Wellington. They're bringing you all the runs, the wickets, the wides, the get out of here's New Zealand against this uh, against Islanders coming up. Cannot wait. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato, and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Maccas, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.